um, I said to Red, I'm like, we need to climb down because you're not going to last here. We're probably going to die if we stay overnight and like stay in this thing. Um, we made a, we made a con- conscious decision to, to climb down, but because we had vlogged everything, right? We had no battery. We thought we were the coolest motherfuckers. We had no torch. Obviously, we had no torch. If we can't even have fucking, you know, our own shit, we, we're definitely not going to pack a torch. We didn't pack a torch, so we didn't have we, – we thought our phones would be fine. We thought there'd be power up there. It's a hut, you know, in the middle of the fucking sky. Luke Faulkner. Yo, yo. What's going on? Not much. Big dog. A little late tonight. I apologize. Fucking very late, dude. You're a busy <laughs> man. You're an entrepreneur. Uh, yeah, as they say, and I normally hate those motherfuckers. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a massive fan of the word. Yeah, if I'm being honest with you, and cut that one out. No, I'm kidding. A guy, a guy um, that does lots of. You've, you've yeah. got a lot of business acumen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. It's one of those things. It's. it's I mean, an entrepreneur is somebody that obviously drives and grows and builds, doesn't get anywhere, falls down, does it all over again. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, Luke runs a um, series of gyms called S30, which is super fast growing. Um, it's in quite a few locations in Perth, but then now it's moved. You're moving it over east and stuff during a, a pandemic, which is yeah no mean mm. feat. Yeah, absolutely. You've and, got, to, uh, you've got to get over there. Yeah, and then came from we met each other years and years and years ago. Um, at another gym that I used to train at and he was my personal trainer. And then he mm. went on to do a bunch of, I think he realized that I was a graphic <laughs> designer and was like, I can start businesses in this car, I'll just do work for me. <laughs> so I've done tons of projects pretty, pretty for much. over the years, yeah. Yeah, I think you've done two of my my four companies, uh, <laughs> branding-wise. And, and um, yeah, you're one from you're one from two actually. One has failed and one has done well. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah so the branding is you know the fact that you fucked up. That's on you, man. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely on me. Uh, yeah, and I was a young young kid back in the day at, at Good Life when I first met you with a piercing in my snapback in my ear, piercing in my ear and snapback, rolling around trying to sell people to come train with me. Yeah, you were 19. super successful though. You were like yeah, a really yeah, successful yeah. in that it was fitness first at the time mm. and you were one of the top yeah, grossing yeah. people, right? Yeah, I was, I was one of the fastest um, one of the fastest guys to, I guess, you know, 40 sessions a week. Like as a PT, you know, you strive to get to 40 sessions a week. Um, that's kind of like your goal. As a, as, a, as a PT working for yourself, you kind of book up your mornings, book up your evenings. Um, and I guess, I don't know, I just, I was always... Um, uh, I wasn't business orientated until I moved out of New Zealand to, to Australia actually and then when I realised um, you know PT you work for yourself right you got to hustle to really grind it takes 6-12 months to build a business um, did a few like little sales courses and stuff and I kind of realised that um, you know you have to sell yourself in order to build a, build a business in, in that world um, and then I remember doing an induction at Fitness First. I think it was like 19 and the guy's like, oh, no one's been in my record. Um, I had the guy that ran the induction. He's like this 40-year-old dude. He was like a weapon. And um, he goes, um, so what happens with, with Fitness First is that you start and then you, you come back at the end of your – so you come back at the end of your um, 30 days and you show everybody that you did the induction with how many sessions you're on. Um, so it's kind of like um, one of those one of those things that you go out and you, you, you trial and then you come back and you sort of see where you've gotten in front of your peers that you went induction with. And this kind of guy got up there and he's like, I got to 22 sessions. It's the record um, uh, for for our field and no one's done it since. And I was like, screw this guy. I'm going to. 
I'm going to beat this guy. So anyway, I kind of made, made, a, made a decision on day one that I wanted to be like somebody that really wanted to drive and get out of my comfort zone and go and talk to people and sell myself, sell my product. And to be honest, I wasn't as good as what I sold myself to be <laughs> as a young 19-year-old kid. I just sort of said, you know, come train with me. You, you'll enjoy it. You'll love it. You'll, it's not all about just getting smashed. You'll have fun. And then we came back and I had actually had a couple of really good quick wins, got some doctors, some young business guys. It was Subiaco Good Life or Fitness First at the time. So yeah, I ended up breaking this record. I got 24 sort of sessions when I came back for my um, my 30 day induction. So I walked back in there, and what you do is he goes right, tell you go around the room and who, how many sessions you're on. And I was like the seventh out of the eighth guy, and I was like, I actually, I'm on 24. And everyone was like, what? I was like, yeah. So anyway, um, your record's now mine. <laughs> um, and then yeah, I just I just I just hustled from there. I just I just it was just something that really resonated with me. I liked I liked being around people of all different walks of life. I liked training with them. I liked coaching them. I liked staying in shape myself at the, at the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at 19, it was, it, was, it was the most amazing job in the world. Like as a, as, a, as a young kid from New Zealand, you know, being around young professionals, creatives, people that you would just be in front of, you know, and they would come and they just would zone out of their day and be yours for 45 minutes. And then you would kind of, you know, make like 70, 80 bucks for doing it. And that just blew my mind. So getting to 40 was the key, you know, 40 times 80, it's, I don't know, 3,600 bucks. I think maybe my math might be right. Cut that out if it's not, but um, oh, you know, a, a lot of money. correct you if it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, de- definitely. And go back on it after. Yeah, but as a young, as a young 20-year-old, a 20-year-old kid, like, you know, earning that kind of money and growing to that and being a, being a leader um, really young was, was huge. And then I kind of realized, like, I've got something different in me, you know? Um, well, you were around a lot. The, the interesting thing about that sort of gym thing was i was i was the same like i was always going to the gym on the low you know it wasn't like part of Mm. my social life or anything but you meet so many people that you wouldn't meet anywhere else because it's confined space so the fact that you were working in the platinum gym which was like the more expensive one and training people you just meet all these people from different walks of life that you just wouldn't meet in your normal everyday life like Mm. i made friends with with some people which i'm still friends with now but i would have never met them otherwise mm. yeah i mean uh, to give you some context on what you just said there right for three of the people that have invested in four of my companies have been my clients from um that first two years right so raising almost you know six seven hundred grand in from all different pe- parts of, uh, of from people um they have come from either those three uh, three or four of my clients or one arm's length of their circle you know so um i guess you know, being involved and around young entrepreneurs and sorry, just young, young professionals in that area. Um, you know, that made me realize like, you know, these guys are really investing in me. They like me. They want to see me succeed. They want to, you know, invest into me and, and what I'd like to do. Um, so that actually, you know, they, they were clients of mine for three or four years before I, um, I essentially got into business. Well, proper business anyway, but they were still clients of mine and being in my journey since literally your day, um, so that's kind of interesting when I look at it is, you know, three out of four of the companies that I've started have come from, um, you know, people that have trained, that I've trained. And that's kind of cool because, you know, um, as a young kid, n- not many people give you, you know, yeah, yeah, two, two, you know, two seconds of their time. So as soon as you get to spend four years in front of wealthy, successful people and they like you, um, you know, they'll give you a bit of a crack. So I think that opens up so many doors. Definitely you know, does, especially because they're kind of, looking to you for guidance as well which is is quite an interesting relationship 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Because especially at Brookfield, when you moved into the city mm. and we're working out of that one, that was like people who worked at PHP, people who worked at like all these major companies and they were mad rich and they were coming to you being like, you know, help me, I'm a feeble office worker. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's the thing. A, a, lot of, a lot of people make money, but they don't really know what to do with it and they don't really know how to, how to put it into things and, and, and more exciting things. Like a lot of these guys have disposable income. Excuse me. Um, and they kind of like, oh, we'll just chuck it in shares and we'll do this. We'll, um, but throwing into something that's quite exciting is, um, I guess, you know, it's 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 a journey for them as well. Like they learn and they grow. If they, if they don't lose money, they still earn like a couple hundred grand a year. You know, if they lose their, you know, 100 grand, 200 grand investment over three or four years, they've learned, they've had a journey with it. They've enjoyed it. They've given me an opportunity. So I think there are a lot of people out there that are looking to invest into younger, hungrier people because that's the thing, right? As soon as you make money and you're earning a really good wicket, you know, 150, 200, $300,000 a year, you have this disposable income, but you don't have the time or the energy to invest into it. But you got young people that are coming up with concepts and ideas and no worlds and markets that you wouldn't even really even have thought twice of because you're so invested in your actual day job that you kind of go and do it on the side and, and it actually becomes quite fun and enjoying, especially with S30, my business partners in S30, um, you know, they have very much enjoyed the journey as opposed to um, as much as it, as it is an investment. So There's um, an old adage where they say like, you are who you choose to surround yourself with. Mm. How much of the influence of like being in Subiaca, for example, with the clientele that you were across how much of that do you think influenced your decision to go out and do your own thing as opposed to hypothetically you were down in Baldivis good life, oh, for example? Man. Yeah. Do yeah. you think that had an effect? Do you think oh, you'd be absolutely. in the same place now? So, um, you know, taking it way back, actually, I, I, I lived in Midland uh, when I first moved to um, to Perth. Um, I was living on my best mate's couch out what there. Brought, what, brought, what brought you to Perth? Um, well, okay, cool. So I left New Zealand on a, on a rugby league contract and um, I left at 17 years old. I was really young. As soon as you leave your mum's nest or your parents' nest, so to speak, to another country, it's, it's a pretty big thing actually when you, when you look back at it, especially at 17. Um, and so what they do is they recruit young talent from New Zealand and they bring them over to you know Sydney and the East Coast and, and up in Australia. And that's just like the golden, that's like America for New Zealand. It's like you guys probably going to America. And so like Australia is like America for you know, Kiwis, um, especially in sport, right? Because that's where you, you know, you make it and you you, get, you provide for your family and that's an opportunity. So, um, you know, moving moving to to, uh, to Sydney, I had, I played, you know, a couple of years there and it was the first time I was exposed out of, you know, again, your mother's nest to alcohol, girls, you know, partying and gambling and um, all those sorts of things. So, you quickly lose sight of your, what you're trying to achieve in, in, in rugby and you kind of get involved in this vicious cycle. Anyway, I failed um, at, at the rugby league dream, sort of, so, so, so to speak, and my best mates, uh, you know, Rhett and Ricky Love were living in Perth. And so I basically, I took all my pay. I made money. We were working in a meat factory. Took all my money and just booked a flight and I had no money. So I was just like, I'm living on your couch. And there was a, up in Midland, there was a guy, uh, Manu Kerb, who looked after us all up there. And I just I just kicked it on this couch for a year, um, and then I made enough money to buy a scooter so I could I could scooter into Subiaco because I knew Subiaco was where it was at, like in that outskirts of the city. But to be fair, nobody would actually take me anywhere Myree, Murray Street. But Subiaco took me on, um, and so I would scooter in every day from from Midland 
Um, and it would cost me like five bucks for petrol and getting back and forth because isn't that much money? And especially when you PT, you actually make no money. So coming from no money, then you got a you got a you got a scooter, you know, and then you got to pay petrol. You know, you you've got to really monitor your costs. So I um I managed to get a scooter and um I, I knew Subiaco was where young professionals were. I could just feel it. So the guys, I looked around the studio, and so um making that conscious decision, I guess, really paved the way for me to, I guess you know, be around people that had disposable income that wanted to do things that had access to growing brands and building things. And so for me, um, you know, it, it you, you need to put yourself in those positions in order to be in front of, you know, smart ideas, smart people. That's the thing. And yeah, you're not going to get that opportunity in Baldivis or Malaga, um, you know, n- nothing to say bad about no. that area, but you're just not. And so I even went a step further and moved into into Brookfield at the bottom of BHP I got a job there as their like lead one of one of the guys that was one of the oldest most experienced trainers there and um, that's where it really took off for me because I was you know went from young professionals to like you know being around the you know the city of Old real money. real real dudes yeah, um, yeah but uh it uh, yeah it, it it didn't didn't take a turn for the for the greatest when I moved into to Brookfield I actually <laughs> I uh, t- took a long I uh, decided to do a, a stupid, stupid thing, but it was a massive learning curve for me. I, I took an investment into, but I put all my money into starting a, um, a physiotherapy, chiro, remedial massage wellness clinic at the bottom of the Brookfield Tower on top of our, our gym. And then I got Scott, you know, to do the branding. So hey, on face value, like I don't actually know this story, but on face value, that sounds like a fucking great idea. <laughs> uh, well, this is, I mean. It wasn't a bad idea, but what he's not telling you is that the fucking... The room was about <laughs> the size of our little kitchenette here. Like oh, it was, dude, there were some mocks of of him. He, he was actually my architect, and the, the the drawings are. I mean, this is 2012, and like I would be coming to King Street at his apartment, and I'd be like, dude, you know, mock my mock my. He's on Adobe Illustrator, just mocking up like the square meter. And he's I'm like, so he's mad. like, dude, this is not going to work, man. I'm like, no, 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 just shuffle it a couple of millimeters <laughs> this way, dude. The, the square meterage of the room was, I reckon, it would have been at least 15 squares. It was, it was so, so small. It was so small. So I'm okay, drawing, yeah. I'm drawing beds. And the thing is, it's not my fucking job. Yeah. The number of times that I've had to do this for people as yeah. well, they're like, oh yeah. You can do everything, right? It's like, no, I fucking can't. Mm-hmm. And then you were standing over my shoulder. I'm like, dude. It's breathing like this. Yeah, it just hands Change on. Change to the right. Hands and on he's my like, chair. He's like, he told me to fuck. He just goes, get out. Get out of my. This was at his King Street apartment. And we were up there after like training. And, uh, you know, I think I was. I think we did a deal. I think I trained you for a period of time or whatever. And you just did the branding. And, you know, because you were such good friends. And you were wanting to help me out. And, like, we'd just, like, come down after Brookfield and down to a spot on King Street. And he'd just be. And, and he would. um he would just be like mate you've got to go like you're just breathing on me and i'd just be like because i was so young i was like no just change that to a light blue or just move that around and he's and you know creatives right they just they work till the job's done they need their space i didn't know that at that point in time um so and he's just like mate fuck off take, you know? <laughs> take, take, take liberties brother yeah um, um but the thing is that this this place is so small and he's like yeah yeah we we're gonna have like three beds and we're gonna do this and that and i was like dude you can't even open this you can't open a door into this room it was the tiniest yeah, you, thing. You couldn't, you, you couldn't open the door. Yeah. And like then you, I you, went... You, you could, but it was uncomfortable, right? So the experience was just terrible. Yeah. You want to come in for a nice experience, remedial massage, wellness, yeah. and some dude's opening a fucking door into your bed. Yeah. yeah. The person so, so the way you, you got in, you'd have, move. Move, you'd have to move, you'd have to move, like, you know, oh, like no. while you're lying back and like relaxing, <laughs> no. your, your next client's coming, you're like, 
you have no to guns. move it. You have to move it, man. It was, yeah, it was, it was so, it was so, it was so bad. So where, um, where did you get to with it? Like, did it actually? Uh, it cost me. It cost me a lot, lot of money. I, I made. I was really young. I was twenty, twenty one. I made like I think it was about eighty grand, and I, you know, I had a lot of money as as a twenty one year old coming from nothing. You know, it was that was a lot of cash. Um, you know, tax free, and I, I invested it all into that, into that, into that. Um into that uh that uh, that studio or sorry not that studio that um room closet yeah <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much um and you know i, I think the, the biggest lesson for me with that was i dealt i dealt with brookfield place right multiplex mm-hmm. so i was 21 dealing with big time leases big time operators that would not give two flying fucks about a, a 19 year old kid with a couple of stud earrings and his hat backwards they were like sign here mr faulkner you know you'll be right mm-hmm. you know five-year lease um and so I had to I had to hustle my way out of that lease. Actually, I had to had to, had to work my way out of that, um, which was probably um, probably the second most scariest time of my life dealing with them, having to go into their offices and you know being on being on on um, you know being sort of stuck in a five year term and your business has failed in in twelve to eighteen months. Like it, it, I mean, it even did well to last that long. Um, well, it's but- interesting because I, I I had the same experience and we've spoken about it on here when I had mm. my shop. It was eighteen months and I had to go into the city of Coburn and mm. explain to them why I was going to be defaulting on the lease. So if you don't mind, like I wouldn't mind hearing about like you know did you have a personal guarantee yep. how did you negotiate your way out of that yep cool yeah i mean really good question if anyone's out there struggling with this um uh so obviously guaranteeing yourself on a lease is um is is a, no, a no, no, no well you know it's it, it, you look at it both ways if you're going to be a good operator and if you're a great operator you know back yourself in but um you know p- personal guarantee i would i would strongly recommend staying away from just in case that risk comes through maybe put more on the bank guarantee so typically you kind of do a three-month bank guarantee and you can you, you don't have to well you can personal guarantee yourself and do a shorter bank guarantee because the bank guarantee is you know quite a fair amount of money upfront capital right um, so sometimes you can reverse it and go, I'll do a six month bank guarantee and I want no personals. So you, you put more up front, but you you know, you can, you know, two, three years in, you know, if you need to leave, you can you can bounce. Um so I personally guaranteed myself. Um, didn't even know what that was at the time. Um and so, you know, uh I had to I got to two years, you know, so we had multi we had a lot of meetings and they were just like, you know, yeah, we'll we'll support you. We'll support you. It's a typical landlord thing. I says, look, I, I've really fucked up here. Um, um, but you know, I need to. This is not working. Um, so I basically, um, uh, I had to, uh, buy, basically buy my way out. It was like fifty grand. I had to come up with fifty k to sort of let them let me go. Which which was essentially two two more years on my lease. So so on a five year, they let me sort of walk at three. And then I had to pay that that three that that two years or that year and a half lump sum lump sum yeah correct which was you know I had to do some hustling to get that you know that, yeah. that capital because I'd already sunk it in and I was already down so I had to um, do do a bit of hustling to get that get that going so um, yeah um, but you know while that was sinking I you know decided to you know again you, you look at opportunities and you look at things that you might be in a bad place but then other opportunities arise and you know one of my one of my one of my clients is like man have you heard of F forty five and um, this was 2015. I said, nah, but, um, and he's just like, let's, do you think about getting into this? Let's just do one around the corner. So uh, I said to him, look, I'm going to need about a couple hundred grand to get this going. Um, you know, I'll, 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 I'll do it. Um, but I need you to bankroll me cause I'm broke. Um, and so he's just like, absolutely like, let's do it. So we went in and we, and we did it. 
um, and we, we so started it around the corner. That's so. that's an established franchise already in F45, mm. right? Mm. So you, you bought in as a franchisee? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I bought in as a franchisee um, and so that was 2016. So um, What do they give you in terms of like infrastructure or is it like a – so they come in, fit it out for you, and you pay them a fee, or is it all on you? Yeah, you know, it was is so F forty five. Their system is very much just you know you pay your fees and you know you follow manuals and you've got to do what you do. And I think McDonald's of gyms. Right? I think actually, you know, what? you did my did signage design for my F forty five. Yeah, it was just literally next door to to the to the um to the the corporate body and health sort of um, wellness place that I had. Um, so yeah, it was just around the corner. So they they don't they don't they don't do too too much um, other than sort of give you the, the technology and the product to, mm. for you to go to do and follow the systems. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so, so like you know you know sometimes you you have you know, things that you, bad times, but in, in, inside you know all you know life's difficulties or opportunities, the way you look at them. Um, and so you just got to put yourself in the position to kind of see other things. Like that was a bad 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 time. Like fifty k in the hole on top of the 80 you already put yourself in so just to get yourself out um dealing with brookfield like yeah. stressful oh yeah sleep sleep sleepless nights man i wasn't sleeping you know putting on weight drinking drinking a lot um yeah yeah man that was that was that was that was tough and you you, you know learning learning on on that wellness thing right it's um you need to be able to have value that you add to your business no matter what you do. I don't care how many people say to you, work on top of your business, let your business work for you. I get that, right? But you need to be able to add value in that 18, 24-month period, literal value like, you know, do the treatments. I wasn't a physio. I wasn't a car. I could not massage. I worked in the studio below sending my clients up and tried to see if it worked. But um, the way that we modeled it was that, you know, remedial therapists and physios, you know, they would work only by appointment, right? So, but, yeah, but so then if they didn't have people there, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be there. So then when all the foot traffic would come down, it would be locked. Just little small lessons, you know, but if I was a physio, I would be there at the front, you know, at the reception, taking every single person that walked in. 24 hours. Exactly. So that's the switch that people just don't quite, um, you know, that they need to understand when you go into this business that you start. Good business model, just fucking people up downstairs, like just giving them (laughs) injuries and then being like, you can see the physio that I own upstairs. Yeah. yeah, Genius. Pretty much. Yeah. Remedial (laughs) massage, anything, anything. Um, Yeah. So that's that's kind of the story with regards to that one. So you pivoted into F45. Mm. And that's obviously not where you're at now. So what, what happened with F45? Yeah, so I mean, um, I uh, I, um, I I didn't like the product that much personally, right? Um, I didn't enjoy too much of the way that the workouts were. It wasn't really my style, but I really liked the business model. Um, so that's again my putting again the lessons and the you know what I learned through. I guess I call it my street um, MBA at. Um, corporate body and health at the wellness place was my street MBA. I just started to figure out like, you know, this is a great business model, but, um, you know, I don't particularly like the workouts and, um, you know, Rhett and I, Rhett, you know, my business partner now is 30, but he was our manager back then. So we noticed that a lot of the um, people that would come and train with us, they were coming at our weight stays. So they were always coming at the, the Tuesday, Thursdays. Excuse me. <clears throat> Fuck. Get it out. Yeah, no, I had a few beers. Um, they were always coming to that Tuesday, Thursday. So 
you know, we, we found that the, uh, F45, those were the weight days, right? But they weren't, in my opinion, they weren't weights. They, they were cardio because you would do 30 seconds on, 25 seconds off. And it would take you like 10 seconds to even just get into the, to the groove of, of that workout. And then you'd have to go and move. Um, so I always thought that, that the concept was really great, um, getting mass people in at a lower price point. Um, and, and, and catering the programming, but I felt like the movement was moving more towards strength and weights and a hypertrophy-based based model. Um, so, you know, throughout my 18 months there, we did really, really well. We actually, you know, had a couple of great studios. Um, then we moved up to Singapore. Our group, you know, went up there and we did, I think, seven studios up there. Um, so we had about nine in our group before I had the opportunity to exit. Um, and so... You know, everyone knew that my mind wasn't really in that space. I wasn't enjoying it. I, I mean, I was doing what I needed to do, but I wasn't like, you know, passionate about it. It was just one of those things that was doing well. And because the, the brand was so great and strong that whatever we kind of did, it kind of did well. Um, but knowing me, if I don't go, you know, anymore, like 110% at something, it's kind of like pointless. It's, it's, it's And I'm not really a franchisee. Like, you know, I'm a franchisor. I, I figured that out really early. So, you know, I got a tap on the shoulder and, um, uh, a guy in Singapore wanted to, to buy me out of my equity stake in, in the group. Um, and it was more money than I'd ever sort of imagined in my life at, at that age. And even just being a hustler, like it was, you know, going from rock bottom and then up. Um, so I, I remember I was in, in my office and uh, I remember getting the call and it was like, you know, um, they want you gone. Because I, I, it was disgruntled. It wasn't like amicable. I was just doing... I wasn't doing what I needed to do. I didn't, they could sense that I wasn't really, you know, buying into the, to, to it. Um, so they were like, man, like there's this guy that once you gone, it was like a four X multiple on, on, on the profit. So, and it was in Singapore businesses and they were doing really, really well. So like, I just was like, get the deal done, get the deal done. So I, I, I exited within like 48 hours. I was just gone. Were you on sweat equity for that? Like you were going in? Absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And they were like, you're so, not doing your job. We'll give you tons of money. No, well, I wasn't. It was not that I wasn't doing my job. It was just like, it, it, it's like I didn't, I was doing what I needed to do, but it's, you know, whenever you have these things, you've got to have the buy-in from the guy. You've got to have them living and breathing it, right? When you sense that that's not there, you know, you don't need to, you kind of just, you, you, they're, no, they're not worth what yeah, their, their value is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, so essentially, um, yeah, so yeah, I got bought in for a sweat equity stake in, into that because I was broke at the, you know, he, you know, got out of that hole and he's like, look, this is what you're going to get, you know, come in, build this thing up and let's, let's build, like build this thing out. So, you know, we did that and we, you know, we brought guys on board and we, you know, we, we did what we needed to do. But yeah, I, I actually got on that with a free position um, and earned my way in and then really got out. Like, yeah, the deal that I got was, you know, we talk about it even till now and we laugh about it, but it was a great deal. And so, you know, sometimes you have these wins and you got to take them. Um, but yeah, I had a, I had a, I had a lot, had a, had a bit of money there. Um, so it was the first time. I imagine being involved in a group like that, already established, already have a lot of those big business processes mm. in place, would have put you in good stead to then go and, and do your own thing, right? Did you take a, a lot of the learnings from 
uh, F45 operated. Oh man, yeah. Modeled them, changed them, made them better. Because what I, from an outsider looking in, I, I think F45 is the first time I've noticed like a, a gym like that really pushing the community aspect. Mm. It was like almost like even the way they measure it, like it's always about the team and there's like this whole community they build around the gyms. And that's something I've noticed in your your s30 thing Mm. is that it's very much seems like a community yeah i mean absolutely like you know community in anything you do in small group fitness because you need to you've gone from you know a model like um good luck sorry snap fitness and you know uh any times to not caring members come or go like actually more more wanting dormant members or what we call them dormant members dead members that's what you thrive off i mean that's no real way to build a business right um excuse me um, that's no real way to build a business. So, you know, going from, you know, building a community out so you want people to stay, that's powerful. Um, so, uh, you know, that's been a huge focus for S30. Everything is about community. Everything's about the brand. Everything's about wanting to be there, loving being there, creating the experience. Yeah, so absolutely. I mean, I learned a lot from F45 when it comes to that. Mm. It's such an opposite model, as you said, of like the gyms that you grew up going to. Because they they're like they want to give you the fucking welcome package mm. and the sign up fee and all of that and hope that you don't come and that you just pay your monthly thing and that's been like the whole way that gyms worked when I was growing up and it was like the joke it was like the meme almost of like you know you you pay to try and get fit mm. and everyone joins up in like January and then no one you know by the, you forget to you forget to cancel it by like may yeah yeah absolutely well they lock lock you into 12 months and then you're just off it and then you're going somewhere else and um you know th- th- yeah i think i think changing that whole concept around fitness is what f45 led i mean they were they were industry leaders when it came to that um and they and they've inspired you know others to go out there and look at the way group fitness is done because you come back to look you know personal training right personal training you know, you sell time. Yeah. That's the key. And there's only so much time. So back in my day, I actually, I actually got apprentices that worked underneath me. I had three and I was taking 50% of what they made and I was paying their rent though. Right. But I had to make them perform and produce. So that was another way for me to, 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 um, essentially make more money for no time. Um, for, for none of my time, except I'd spend an hour a week on their development, but I would make a thousand dollars off, off their, their weekly wage. So those, as soon as I started doing things like that, I started to realize that I had a really sharp mindset when it came to this type of mentality. Um, and then it just, you know, then it just evolved into a couple of failures and a couple of, you know, other, other ways at which making and generating revenue and building companies and building businesses, um, you know, utilizing technology, looking at other ways at which you can, you know, you can really be and be successful with not having to waste your time. So, you know, PT was a lesson in itself where it's like, don't, build something that you you every dollar you make is worth x amount of your time i remember i had a meeting with a real estate agent who's still a very good friend and is my actual agent when it comes to real estate at the moment he said you know your biggest problem is your selling time so i was just like that resonated with me straight away i was like wow you know that's something interesting yeah 100 um, um yeah and you switched to when you left that you started the the um app right yeah so um so yeah i mean a couple so I, I tried I tried I had this concept for a, for a, for a software and like ever since I started personal training I reckon I'd be a fucking bazillionaire by now I was 2011 I came up with the concept of creating the software management system that was kind of like 
Uber now for, for personal training. You know, P- PTs are sole business traders, right? They they have to run, manage, and build their business on their own. They've got to do their own GST and tax. And these guys just have no idea how this is done, right? They just got no clue. So, you know, I was really young. I was 23, 24. This was sort of around about the CBH time. I was kind of just doing all these different types of things and I was looking at different um, different technologies and I was like, I really would like to, to, to build an app um, that would be a, basically a, a central software solution for um, personal trainers and sole traders and how they would take billing. So basically, uh, you know, Scott would come in for a sesh. He'd come up with my calendar. It was all automated. I'd click, you know, he's arrived and then it would charge him his card, 60, 70 bucks for the sesh. And then, you know, it had all this, these metrics and, and stuff built in. That was really, really um, a really interesting time in my life because, you know, learning technology and building technology i was doing that when i was 23 um and being involved um in in this world it really started to make me think like you know this is a this is a fucking awesome place to be in um and so i had this concept of building the software and i i went to another client of mine and i I raised you know uh you know i think it was shit oh it would have been two three hundred thousand dollars um and so um to to build the software out um, and it spent 12, 18 months building it and just technology just takes time. There's a thing with technology, right? If you want to build a software, you know, do your cost, times it by two, multiply it again, plus it by the same amount, right? You need 4X on what your initial... So you might think a software costs you 100 grand. You need six, 700 to get it to out of this, what we call death valley, right? So technology, it takes so much to scale. So, you, you know, when you look at tech, you, you, your cost of which the tech to develop and continue to maintain and build features, it's never going to get to the point at which the user pays for that cost base for a long time. That's why technology, you know, um, it takes so much money to build and so much time to build. That's why they keep raising and none of them are profitable, right? Um, so I learned really on, uh, really early on about the tech world and that, that failed um, the first time. That's actually failed twice. Uh, that failed the first time. Um, and but I, I managed to keep the IP of the tech, which was which was key for me. There was money left in the company that I could have had, um, and I left that out on the table uh, because I wanted the tech uh, and I wanted the IP running. It was my concept anyway. But as soon as guys come in, I was I was a minority shareholder in that right, three hundred grand with the concept. Like I had a small equity stake, so um, I managed to to, to keep that. Um, and then uh, did the F45 stuff. But when I had the money, this is what I did quite well was when I had the money, I didn't, I wanted to give the, the app a go again. Um, and so um, I, I had a go at that, but I raised money again from somebody else. I could have put it in myself, but I was like, oh, just didn't feel like I wanted to give all, all of the money I ever had again up for something, you know. You learned your lesson the first time. <laughs> I did. I learned my lesson the first time. So, um, you know, uh, I did that, and then that was um, with somebody else, and so we were we were um, even shareholders in that, and um, we just could not scale it. It's just it just it was you know, at a time where I wanted to get out of the F with fives. I went into this. Um, fortunately, I didn't put my own money into it, but um, I uh, you know I, I gave it a go for about twelve months, and I just learned that technology you need bankroll, you need big players, you need to acquire people, so. I think the biggest lesson I took from the tech game um, is is the word validation of the product, right? Not many people actually validate their concepts uh, concepts enough, right? Especially in the tech world, and I even think it's translating to just businesses in general. I think too many people are starting businesses without really understanding the problem that they're trying to solve. 
and I, I think it's becoming a trend that people see other people doing businesses. Like, I got to, I got to, I got to start a business. Uh, I, I would, I would even reverse it and say your job might be, might be the best option for you if you're earning a really good wicket. You know, it's it's hard doing this stuff. Um, so you know, technology really taught me a lesson with regards to how much money you really need to start a business and to actually get it to where you think it's it's going to be. So so validating the product was something that I didn't do, and I didn't do it for the second time either. And it's kind of understanding, you know, really if anyone really wants your product. So uh, the way I use the the example for this, right, is, you know, it costs 300 grand to build it. I built it. I went to 100 people that signed up for it. And they said, you know, I really only like this part of it, which is the scheduling part. That cost me like 20 grand to build. So I'm like, I've just spent 300 grand building the Taj Mahal and all you want is this little fucking thing here. And it just blew my mind because I was just like, fuck man, I could have I could have bootstrapped that, right? I could have built that, you know, and I could have just, so if I reversed it and I went to everybody and I said, hey guys, 100 people, what do you really want? What's the problem that you're finding? And they're like, well, I just think that the scheduling system that automates with my billing is what I really want. Uh, and I go to the development team and I'm like, what's this going to cost? Oh, 20 grand oh, you know what, I'm going to hustle that or I'm going to give like a CTO, like a bit of equity, 20% to build it for free and I'll scale it or bootstrap it. Um, so I just, it just, it just, that's at that point, I was just like, fuck man, I just, you need to, whenever you do anything, you go out and you test and you pilot and you MVP and you, you reiterate and you build little systems and you go like, do you like this? And you have these user case groups and you go to them and you say, is this really solving your problem? If not, scrap the fucking thing because you don't need it, right? And so that was the biggest lesson I learned with technology was validating the product and validating the the part of the product that, that was the real problem. And it could have cost me 20 grand, for example, to build, but it cost me 300 in a task because I went broke because I couldn't maintain this Taj Mahal that nobody really even fucking wanted. Um, so I mean that was the that was the biggest that was the biggest thing with tech, um, and it's an amazing lesson to learn for life, right? And even any business that you do, are you really solving the problem? Because I just I guarantee you, ninety percent of the time, people are more passionate about what they're trying to do, and it's it's really crowding their judgment on whether yeah. it's actually that's delivering that's, that's a really good point. That's what was sort of resonating with me when you were talking. Is you know where's the demarcation point between a legitimate problem solving application and your own passion mm. your own vision for what you think people mm. need it's pushing it's, people broke really quickly man i mean um, the, the, yeah. the problem is the passion thing's great because mm. you've got to be passionate about it but it does cloud your judgment when Absolutely. it comes down to making making decisions yeah. mm. and that's one thing that i've noticed in in business for myself and and other people it's where that the personal gets in the way yeah. starts to cloud your judgment you make bad decisions it's yeah. very hard to look at it objectively or is it subjectively i think it's objectively objectively um when it's when it's yours and you know you came out of the fitness mm. business you had an idea about how it should work and what you what would have made your life easier potentially mm, exactly but, but like you said shit changes yeah absolutely it's not the I, same. yeah i thought about what what made you know what, what i really did with, with that with the tech with with positive flow it was called actually p flow <laughs> um i don't even know why that was called that name but uh, I, uh, as soon as i said that i was like Fuck, can you cut that, man? <laughs> nah, you know what i'm gonna stay strong you know it is what it is it's a lesson and that's the name i can't take that back it's trademarked and proprietary limited <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's still anymore um so yeah i i think 
I didn't um I didn't un- I didn't understand what anyone really wanted. I actually just built what I thought was really fucking cool. And it cost me like 300 grand. Well, it didn't cost me, but it cost you know, and even 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 the fact that it didn't cost me money, it's still something that sits on my on my balance sheet, right, of life, you know. It's That's right. you know, I've 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 toasted cash on, you know, somebody else's balance sheet and, you know, it's not the greatest thing to have, but it is what it is. Um you know, we all did it. That everyone did it with the best interests and heart. That's the thing. It wasn't. We intently thought it was going to be the right thing, um, and that's why I just think you know, before anyone moves into the tech space or even any business, like really understand and validate your product. Understand what your consumers really want. Don't and and even to the point like um, where it, it's like, go out to the test case and go. Do you want this product? If so. Right, sign up here. Give us your credit card information because we'll put you on the first set of subscriptions when it starts. Right, so that's hundred people guaranteed as a product that's going to use your product at the end of your validation stage. So what I what we did was we were like, oh, does this sound cool to you? They're like, yeah, it sounds sick. Yeah, cool. And then six months later, hey, bro, I've built it. They're like, oh, yeah, nah. I don't. And I was like, trying to get them to sign up. They're like, nah, man. I, you know, I, I kind of thought it was cool at the time, but. You know, I'm actually fine doing my own thing. And you know what? The real problem is how am I going to transition like 40 people across your software? There's card information, new billing. So, oh, it's just a nightmare, man. What have you done to solve that? Mm. And I'm like, oh, just was going to get them to re-sign up. They're like, dude, my clients aren't doing that. Fuck that. That's way too hard. And guess what? Even if I bring this new solution and they go, I don't like your billing fees or I'd like, oh, actually, you know what? I don't even want to train with you anymore. It's this train of thought that's got to change to go into something new. I just didn't even do any of that validation. So, Which you know. is so funny because working in tech myself, one of the biggest problems when rolling out a new system is user adoption. Oh, man. It's huge. That's the biggest hurdle. Seamless. You can have the greatest fucking Salesforce instance in the history of mankind, mm. but if you don't get people using it in the right way, putting the right information in, for example, yeah, it's worthless. Absolutely, man. And so, you know, I learned myself and I learned that lesson, you know, twice, actually. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, I, I think that can serve for anybody that moves into the space of business or tech. You know, you need to do validation. It's the number one thing you do in your business plan. And it's more than a business plan. It's not just putting down some Excel spreadsheet numbers and being like, oh, yeah, I think I can make this work. Yeah, anyone can model anything. You've got to go deeper than that. Yeah, you, you, you've got to go out to at least at least 200 people, at least. And that's a task in itself. That's a year of work. Mm. Going out to 200 people and going, do you really want this? If you do, give us your cut information. Now when it goes live, you'll be charged. I'll give you the first month free. Did you find it hard to let go of that because it was so attached to you oh, as a person? Yeah, so, so much. Yeah, absolutely. Because you were building something essentially for, like you were in that industry, you were building something for yourself and you put so much into it and you'd had two swings at it. It was just mm. like to... It would have been really hard to let go of that, but I suppose knowing that you you could just keep sinking money into it. Yeah. Right? I think so- someone said something to me one day. I said, the "Entrepreneur is you know has has you know it's 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 great to choose when you're an entrepreneur, and it's even bigger to choose when to walk away. You know, when you need to know that your product is just not it. You know, and, and that some people take that shit to the grave, and it's like so that was really hard. But you know, I'd kind of detached myself away from it because. Um, I, I I knew I had a little bit of money from the F forty five, so I knew, and I and I and I knew that um, 
I really was probably supposed to be better matched for a business that I could actually give my literal value to. I could be in front of, I could share experiences with, with people face to face. I'm not a, I'm not a developer, right? So I, I learned how to manage development teams and tech teams and projects and build wireframe documents, but there's a limit as to what my expertise could do before the 120,000, $150,000 a year, you know, full CTO chief technical officer, whatever would come in and build it. Right. And that's where their value is. I'm not going to sit in front and write, code uh, even though I tried to learn how to write code um, it just was not me right that's not where my value was and I, that's not where I was good I was good in front of people I was good at selling and I was good at creating experiences so um, it was the hard it was very hard it was it was it was a hard time when we went when we went broke for the second time yeah on, on that project yeah and it was hard because I just you know I, I came at all three times I just um, I just lost all that money and the company went broke for the second time my I had a girlfriend at the time that left me and um, that was that was pretty rough because I really liked her and then my grandmother died all in the same week well the way it went was I went broke my grandmother died and then after I told my girlfriend that all of those things happened she just dumped me so it was it was like three Damn. yeah so it, it was, it's, it's I said to I said that she actually left me on the third at the end of it but actually I wanted to give sorry in the middle of it but it actually is even better that yeah all those things and I was like oh, my grandmother's died I got to fly um, well, the company's gone broke um, well you know, I don't have a job anymore and uh, my life's just like fucked and then she was just like oh well um, I've actually been meaning to tell you like I don't really want to be with you anymore so I was like fuck and it was all three at one it was one week dude wow one week how aware were you that the business was going broke prior to that one oh. week probably a couple of couple of weeks to a, to a month i knew we were in bad bad because with with tech right you, you know it they call it the value the value of death that i sort of referred to before is, is is you have to raise capital every certain amount of time you know and you need that your user base needs to scale right so i was smart enough to realize that as the chief salesman of the, of the product i was not acquiring users quick enough and even the users that were transitioning across didn't have a big enough client base for me to even get the two percent you know, um, of, of their fees. That's how we made money, right? So I had, you know, had already started to feel and see um, uh, that things weren't in the right shape. And then um, we had a coffee and we just sort of said, you know, look, you know, we came back after Christmas. It was January, like middle of Feb. I mean, three, four, th- three years ago. Sorry, four years ago, middle of Feb. And we were just like, we need to call it. Um, and I was like, to be honest, I was like, sweet, because we're my money. Um, and it is, you know, it is what it is. But, um, I, I thought it was coming mm. at some point, but you know, yeah. But that week is brutal. Oh, yeah, the how'd week, you, how'd week you go happened, after that? I went pretty rough, man. Yeah, yeah I was I was pretty rough. I mean, I think Scotty knows. Uh, Scott knows. Uh, it was pre- it was pretty pretty rough. Um, you know, a lot of drinking, a lot of partying, a lot of you know, um, doing fuck all. I had so it's really funny, right? I had money, but I had nothing else but money, and it was the first time I ever had money. Right, but I've never had money, so it was so weird. It was like it was just aimless because I had money, but I didn't really know. Or uh, the beauty about not having money is great because you know how to live your life, right? As, as you boys know, I got a scooter. I live very much within my means. I don't buy all the nice cars, and I don't have all that shit, right? I just I'm a pretty simple dude. I like building products, and I work like really fucking hard. So um, you know, having money was weird. Um, and then being broke, broken, and like, you know, I had to fly to New Zealand, see my family, and, you know, she was supposed to come and whatever. So um, it, it was a weird, it was, it was a weird time. It was difficult because it was confusing because you, you have this money and you look at your bank, 
spend. I'm not talking like lots of money, right? But enough enough for like you all of us, you know, to be relatively happy for a bit. So, um, yeah. But being broken and broke was I would prefer to be broke than I'd prefer to be broke and then happy. Like you know, with like yeah. So that that was the big one for me. It was like oh, you know, having no money was fine because you just had your mind, you had your hustle, you could get out of it, you could figure out ways, or you could go get a job, right? So that was fine. But then having money and then kind of like your life's just like fucked. It was it was it was it was kind of like I, I would yeah it definitely choose being broke like cash broke. So how did you how did you consciously drag yourself out of it? Mm. Man, so did you talk to anyone or was it just off your own back? Um, like I keep things pretty bottled up just in general, right? But um, so my best friend Rhett, uh, you know, I think your boys, you know, yeah, your know boys, boys know Rhett. So you know, he he had noticed a bit of a change in me. He, um, you know, I said to him, look, um, you know, he saw all these things happening. I think I was actually because he was using the app with his company right so i had to walk sucker in. <laughs> <laughs> you know and you know but that's that's him you know he's my boy he had my back he's like you know i'll use it and i'll test it and i'll trial it and i had to sit with him and i'll i remember it was at um james squire on shafto lane ironically um and i came and we had a beer um and uh like this is how heart like this is how heartbroken i was right my actual girlfriend worked across the road so i chose to be at james squire just in case she came out of work and saw me like just like all oh, sobbing it's just like I wanted, I, wanted <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh hold up a sick man I, c- I can't use your app anymore but babe you want me back um so nah um in- anyway man I-, I was like i broke down with him i hadn't broke down too too much but i think there was a time when i was like dude i'm really sorry for letting you down and i know your clients have come to this but you know we have to shut this thing down in a week um and anyway i had a couple of weeks just to myself and obviously amongst having fun and just being a fucking broken hearted dude um and uh yeah i just said to him like you know, my mum's like i think you need to come and see me in noosa and let's just spend some time in new zealand because you know i've been away from home like since 2019 20 so you know i'd spend a long time i've seen my mum and you know you guys know my mum's very close to me i've seen my mum probably in the last 10 years i could probably count on one and a half hands how many times I've seen my mum, right? So I was pretty broken. So my mum's like, you know, come to Noosa, come hang out. We'll, we'll spend a week together and then come back to New Zealand and we'll spend a week together. So um, I just, obviously it was really, it wasn't really a choice. She's just like, you're fucking coming. Mm. Cause you know, crying to my mum on the phone. I'm like, ah, um, she's like, you coming. So anyway, Rhett's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll come too. I'll, I'll take a week off with you um, and we'll hang out. We'll go back to New Zealand, see our family. You know, he had some time. He's like, look, Liz, I'll come back and we'll hang as well. Um, which I thought was, you know, re- really nice. Um, you know, he had you see his family and stuff. So I spent a week in Noosa and then I moved back to New Zealand. Well, I didn't move back. I went back to see my mom at a beautiful home in New Zealand, just spent some time being around family. And um, th- throughout this time, right, I just had this concept in my mind about getting back into every time I'm down. I always, the, the good thing about me is I always think of opportunities and ways to build things and what I'm good at, what I love. I just can't sit still for too long because I had a bit of money. I was like, you know what? Um, so I had been having these sort of daydreams and thinking about this concept that we had thought about, Rhett and I, years ago, back in our 45 days. Called, it was called Set 30 Training at the time. And the concept was three blocks and blah, blah, blah. And it was more weight-based back when I was talking sort of about how A45 was just weights-based. It was, it was moving towards that. So anyway, I didn't say much about it. You know, Rhett kind of knew a little bit about the concept two years ago. Didn't really think too much of it. And he just we all just went our own ways. And back, went back to New Zealand and... Um, you know, we were like just being stupid and we're just like, 
let's climb a mountain, you know, like let's do something fucking stupid. So, you know, I had no, no job, right? I didn't, I did nothing to do. I was like, yeah, let's, let's just do it. So we went to climb this mountain in New Zealand, right? It's called like Mount Holdsworth and it has like this little hut at, at the top. It's a pretty big climb, but I remember doing it when I was, you know, through the Institute. It's kind of one of these things you do back home and you can't climb this mountain, whatever. So we were like, fuck it, let's just go and do it. So I, we had no gear, right? I had no clothes or anything like that to, to climb. So I think Rhett's family is like snowboarders and stuff. So we just like rummaged through their stuff and got a couple of like same hand, like um, you know, gloves and stuff. And um, we were like, fuck, let's go. And I think in New Zealand, there's this place that's called the warehouse, but in, I think it's equivalent to like Target here in Australia. So, um, excuse me. So we went and got these couple of like shitty bags and sort of like, you know, went to sort of climb this mountain, right? But we... um we didn't really think too much about it we just kind of thought we'd cruise up stay the night come back down so that was in my mind that's pretty straightforward right but it's it's a fucking mountain right so we just chucked all of our shit in this like shitty target bag and we just climbed this mountain and we sort of got got halfway up to the top and i'm like you know Rhett's a lot fitter than me so i'm like dying i'm like oh red chill man it's like a beast he's like just getting up this thing i'm like there's this video footage i actually vlogged the whole thing right because we vlogged it all on our camera talking we were so sick um so like we're getting all the way to the top and you know we're filming it it's so much fun and we're like fuck this is cool like you know doing this shit and then we get to about like sort of near near the top, like the summit. There's a little bit more climb to get to the top of this thing, and then there's like snow. And I'm like in these little trainers. I'm like, fuck, man! Like I'm slipping everywhere. I'm like holding on to all the bushes, trying to get up. So I mean, this took us about five hours to climb this fucking thing, right? It was pretty big, and we, we were starting to get really nervous because the the, the the weather started to change, and we were just like, dude, I think we're you know this is um this is getting pretty pretty gnarly up here. It's like up at a fucking mountain New Zealand is like shit changing everywhere all this weather so we're like alright don't worry we'll just get into this hut and we'll just chill and we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out and then we'll sort of get back down you know tomorrow so we get to this hut right and we're there and it's like going trenching literally through snow right it's on my Instagram if anyone wants to ever watch it it's a funny fucking story anyway we get to, the, we get to this hut and we're like it's just pouring torrential rain it's just like the weather is just turned and then Ritz like did you check the weather like I was like nah dude oh, we didn't check anything at all we didn't check anything um so we get, we get to the top and um all the firewood's just wet um all, all the coal is wet we can't start a fire no gas we can't cook food we take our you know swags or whatever you call them out, out of our bat and they're just drenched so so like I'm just like trying to get things going I turn around and Rhett is like butt naked. He's just he's just fittering like this. He's just chittering. He's like, man, 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 man I'm, fuck, I'm, I'm cold, man. I'm cold. And I like look down, and he's gotten like his little fucking Savaloy cock. It's like just right there. And it's like, holy. I was like, man, you are cold. You are cold. And he's just like, you know, what do you think, man? We can't, we can't, we can't stay up here. And I was like, and I was starting to stress because Rhett's usually pretty well. You know, he's 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 on one. You know, he knows what's up. But he just. And he started to get really, really cold. Uh, we couldn't start a fire. It was about 4.30 p.m., right? So, you know, we, we, he said to me, he goes, do, do, you, do, do you think we should, we, should, we should climb down? And I'm like, dude, it's going to be dark in like an hour. Um, and I said, man, I think just give me, give me, give me time to just have a bit of a thought here. And he's just like, like lying on the ground, just trying to be cold. And he's like, man, I'm not spooning you for the next 24 <laughs> hours. That's for sure. So we made a decision. Like we're like, either way, we stay up here. We could probably freeze to fucking death. Cause I don't know what's, we got no clothes. Um, and then, or, or we can make a decision to climb down, but it's like, you know, in the dark and on the way down. And so, um, I said to red, I'm like, 
we need to climb down because you're not going to last here. We're probably going to die if we stay overnight and like stay in this thing. Um, we made a we made a con- conscious decision to to climb down, but because we had vlogged everything, right? We had no battery. We thought we were the coolest motherfuckers. We had no torch obviously we had no torch if we can't even have fucking you know our own shit we, we're definitely not going to pack a torch we didn't pack a torch so we didn't have we, we thought our phones would be fine that we thought there'd be power up there it's a hut you know in the middle of the fucking sky so anyway dude we were just like you know we thought we were really sick and cool but we are the fuck we are so dumb like this is just we looked at ourselves we're like our parents would kill us right now like this this is not funny anymore this is stupid you so, guys are australians yeah <laughs> so so we, we we put our stuff on man and we're just like you know let's just let's just hustle our way down let's stay on the track let's not deviate from the track and we like we, we fit up real sharp and so we took about you know we half an hour down i'm like yo man I'm, um you know thanks heaps you know it was one of those like life moments you know thanks heaps for you know looking after me the last couple of weeks and it been been a bit down and whatever but um i've been thinking about this concept for a long time called set 30 training remember when we did that two years ago and he's like bro i've been daydreaming about that too and it was just this weird moment and he's just like i've been thinking about that a lot like I've actually been thinking about the concept of the training and he'd be doing a lot of, like, he'd never said anything to me. So we're at the top of this mountain and we're just like, um, well, what do you think about if we did this? And what do you think about if it was like, you know, remember the old canvas days and the posters were all hip hop and R&B and and it was dark. And what about if we had this urban feel and all the trainers were just oversized tees and had this urban swag about them, just real different, but it was weight based. And then we, then we started to decide talking about how the program worked and how it was like Monday, Wednesday, Fridays was weights and Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays was hybrid. And that we, we, we emphasized more on, on, on tempo and time based stuff and bigger lifts. And, but we wanted a group format and um and then he's like what about if we had custom made music and what about if it was this and then we're just like fuck man this is epic and then we started designing the shoes in our minds of all trainers wear these nike react shoes and red loves his shoes and whatever man three hours later we're at the bottom and we had built our entire like s30 business plan like navigating our way down just through shit talking and we're just like, what about it was this? And oh man, Luki Chan, you know, he can make our music and we can make it all custom and curated, man. Fuck Spotify. Spotify is just way up. So then we were just like, we were so pumped on the way down. We're like, dude, let's fucking do it, man. So we got to the bottom. We created a little program. So Rick created a program, to, you know, in the last little bit before we got down to the bottom. He's like, let's do, so let's do a shoulder workout. So we, we finished, we got, we obviously got to the bottom, thank God. Um, it was about 7 p.m. at night. And we drove about an hour to my mum's house, woke up in the morning and we did this shoulder workout in the blocks of A, B and C and Scott, you know how it works. And we were like, wow, this is like a fucking great workout. When you think about it, like if you had 30 people in here doing this workout for time um, in, a, in, a, in a time constructed way, that would be, fucked up right this would be great so then basically you know um i had this newfound thing inside me this ember of this burning you know desire to create be creative again i'm a, I'm a massive creative guy with with regards to branding like you know everything you see with this 30s is, is a lot about the way i like to emphasize it's seeing the concepts so you know i said to red i'm moving i'm gonna i'm gonna move back to we're gonna we're gonna fly back to perth in a couple of days and i'm moving to bali I'm going to live in Bali for nine months to a year. I'm going to build this thing out in my mind. I'm going to get creative. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to be outside of my comfort zone. I have nothing in Perth anyway. So I just shipped everything and moved to Bali. Just 
like took a duffel bag. There's a photo I've got on my phone actually. The day I, I'm glad I took the photo. It's ironic I had an F45 duffel bag in my hand. <laughs> that was, that's all I took was an F45 duffel bag. And I moved to Bali and I just said to myself like I'm just going to be, I'm going to be something different. I'm going to be somebody you know, because you know Scott knows me. I'm a little bit of an introvert sometimes if I'm not comfortable with people. Um, you know I'm not I'm not definitely a guy that walks into a bar and says yo. Um, everybody fucking yo let's hang like I moved to Bali and I was I was the first time I was vulnerable no sell you know you gotta move and find your way around you to make friends so yeah that was I think I'm yawning a little bit here but um, so yeah you know that was that was that was the biggest thing the single best thing I've ever done in my life was was move to Bali how long did you stay? I I lived in Changu on the beach for um, almost just on nine months shit yeah full lived there and I never came back I came back to meet somebody for um I came back back to meet somebody in Melbourne with regards to sort of stuff that we're doing. Once we got to a really good point, I flew to Melbourne then I but I, but I flew from Melbourne straight back to Bali. So you fleshed all this concept out in your head yeah. over in Bali? Yeah, raised capital from there. I did everything I did everything I needed to do um, that I could physically do from there. I mean, I had Scott going out to site visits to look at locations and um, look at the, the way that you could see the, the concept because, you know, Scott's a creative guy, um, nothing nothing to it, but he's, he's not as creative as, as, as Scott, so he can't see things as visually. But, his, you know, his partner, Alex, had a lot of um, input into the way that that place was designed. Um, so, you know, I, I was navigating this. I had a Zoom call. So I had a, I had a fucking phone call with, you know, Scott and guys over on Bali I mean I was flying out to East Timor because every two months in Bali you have to do a visa a trip visa. yeah mm. so like I was at the, at the at the airport like doing a design call with Scott like literally on my WhatsApp you remember it right you had your first did we did we meet before you went to did we get together before yeah. you went to but it was just before oh, you went no to Bali right? yeah no shit actually so yeah sorry I've missed that part so what happened was before I said I'm flying to Bali and moving my whole life there to start this thing I said like to Ray I said fuck man we got to go see scott because this is scott's bread and butter this concept so i remember we were watching the state of origin down at um the varsity bar me and rhett was sinking back beers and we're like dude we're going to see scott so i went to see scott at like 9 30 and we rocked into scott's place i was so drunk man i'm like i was like i was like yo i got this fucking concept and he's like oh fuck this again here we go here we go again (laughs) a million miles an hour talking and stuff and i was just like all right Let's go. Like they were telling me all this stuff and I was, they're, they're talking about, they're like, yeah, you know, like canvas, but a gym and we're going to do this and this and this. And I was like, I know that you guys, fu- I knew that you fully knew what you were doing. Mm. Mm. And I was like writing a, a bunch of, I don't know if you remember, I had this big sheet of paper and I was writing everything down yeah. that you were saying. And I was like, yeah, I don't think any of this is shit. Yeah. You know, cause normally yeah. people come in with these pipe dreams and it happens if you're a, any designers listening, all of your friends are like, Hey, if I know a designer, mm. I can start a business, right? Because yeah, they'll just design it for me. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. I'll start a business, right? Because he's fucking they will just design it for me and he's my mate. Mm. So I the number of times I've had terrible mm. fucking business ideas walk through the door mm. and think that I'm just gonna fucking do it for them and they're gonna just take off to glory. But you guys were talking that through and I was like, Yeah, this is really this is actually a really good yeah. idea. And then I said yeah. and and I said it's not going to be cheap though because you're talking about like a full branding thing and you were Mm. like i'm happy to pay full fee Mm. and i was like what (laughs) come again yeah i I think i think 
you know, given my experience, and this is my fourth company, right? I don't think a lot of people know how many failures I've had. Like, I think I don't share too much about like a lot of the journey, and you know, I actually contemplate a lot about coming on here and talking with you guys. But I think you know, Scott's such a good friend, Josh, you're a good boy. I met you guys way back. You know, I was like, fuck it, I'll jump on, and I, I love what you guys are doing. So I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll get around it. So a lot of people don't know I've had you know four businesses, and I'm proud to say that you know two have failed, two have done really well um, because I think failure is great, but I also think validation is great. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I sat down with you and I realized that when you need to create a brand, right, you need to pay people to build your brand. Branding, cheap branding, what is it? You get monkeys or whatever the hell you it get is. Pay you know? peanuts, get monkeys. And, and I don't think people understand that, that branding and the creativity around branding, not just from like a font, right? It's just everything that you see, the way that you apply that to your fit out, the way that you apply that to just letterheads and branding and socials. It's not just, you know. It's consistency, yeah, right? Yeah, it's consistency. Through, through the whole lot. Um, and Scott was the guy, right? So I was just like, we and Rick were like, no, no, no we just go on a Scott list. is going, he, he, can, he can see what we're trying to do. It had this urban flair to it. So with Scott's creativity work, like he could see, he could just get it, right? Where you go to some guy off the street or some Google agency to do some branding, they'd just be like, what? What's, what's posters, black and white posters? Mm-hmm. So like you need to make smart decisions of how, how you, you know, who you want to go to and who you want your brand to come through because your brand person's going to bring that identity out through your product and see what you don't see and look at it from different angles, right? What Scott did so well with our flagship studio was you know he's not just a guy that does the branding but he came in and saw the space right and he goes fuck man we we, we you know this is how we think you know and this is you know back in our day we didn't know too much about the way people aesthetically look at things but you walk into s30 at the flagship right there's photos that i've got before it was just kind of like stairs you just walk down and you come to this basement but like we look down here right we're looking down but then Scott's just like walking in and he's just like, wow, like, wow, look at all that we can do with the space. I'm like, nah, fuck, don't worry about that, man. That looks like shit. There's nothing we can do up there. He's like, nah. So then he, you know, he went away and, and, and built the, the, um, the brand identity around the way that people visually look into S30 from a, from a, you know, when they, when they walk in and how much, and that was the way that the flagship was built was on that space and that creativity when you walk down. And that actually flew on to the way that, um, all of our studios. It informs have. everything. Yeah. The, the biggest, the biggest thing in taking that on, and I was always going to do it because I understand your passion and your vision for it. And I straight away from the conversation we had, I was like, I know, I know exactly how we can do this. But the the biggest thing was that you didn't want to brand and look like an like an urban gym, like if mm. someone did some graffiti font, fucking no. S thirty. Mm. So mm. it was like, okay, well, let's take. You got to separate. You got to you got to separate brand identity from campaign, mm. and right now you guys are in campaign. Even though you're only you know you're three years in or, or coming up to four years, in. Yeah, you're just you're just gone three, yeah. Yeah. So the flagship. Yeah. What you can do is you can always pivot that brand, and you can always take that brand and do whatever you want with it as a as a gym mm. thing. So you need to make sure that the the brand identity itself can carry through mm. the campaign. It, realistically is like the hip hop posters and mm. and the dark sort of space and and all of that sort of stuff so we were creating an identity around this we're creating like a mass identity around the around the space itself mm. but making sure that the brand was still something that could stand next to things like yeah. f45 yeah. and things like yeah, that I, I think the day you told me that one day this like arrow is going to be like a nike sign and you're not even going to need to put s30 there i just was like wow yeah you know, that was huge when I heard that because, you know, you think about, you know, you dream about building a brand. So when I started S30, the, like, I had money, right? And like people, I was never going to do 10 studios. 
right? I'm doing 500 to 1,000 studios or it's nothing. Otherwise, I'll go get a fucking job. So, you know, uh, uh, my biggest driver and Brett's biggest driver and most of my shareholders, well, my shareholders in the company, that I was just like, if you're not going to back me on this, then you can go fucking somewhere else, right? Um, it was, we're building a brand, right? A global brand. Whether you like it or not, that's what we're doing. If we go broke trying, that's what we're doing. So, um, you know, when Scott said, you know, one day you need this thing to have no S, no three, no zero, and that arrow needs to be standalone on something and people need to go, fuck, man, that's S30. So that, that for me, excited me when it came to just the brand and, and just, you know, thinking about things like that. You don't think about that when you're passionate about, you know, what you're trying to do. And that gets back to sort of, you know, things like you need to pay people to build your fucking brand, dude. That's what, that's what it costs, you know. Scott might do fucking nothing for three months and deliver you magic in an hour. You pay the fee for fucking doing that. I just don't. I just think people don't understand creatives, and it's not just around branding. It's just anything that people do. I think people just try and just skip, you know, skip steps that they shouldn't be doing. And you know, that's what it comes back to. Like raising money. If you want to build a business, raise enough money to be able to get the right people. It's, I think it's the Rockefeller habits, right? It's like, um, I think it's 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 um, strategy, execution, people, and cash, right? If you can nail, you know all of those four things but the most important out of the four is cash right you need you need enough cash to execute the right strategy by requiring the right people mm-hmm. right and that is just too frowned upon this you don't get enough cash you get shit people and the strategies just can't be executed or there's that and then that, that's not done so you know i think that you need to go okay cool if i need 200 grand i'm probably going to need 400 if i'm going to have to give up more equity to get it i'm going to get it but i'm going to get the right people to deliver aspects of my brand or what i need to do you know i just think that in this i just think that that's not not i don't think we get that enough well it comes back to your original um, point which was identifying where you bring value to the business mm. and it's not in design no it's bringing in people that do bring the value yeah absolutely. and like you said you've got to pay for it um mm. it, there's no way around it how many times have you heard of a fucking dude who's trying to start a business and thinks he knows everything and oh i'm gonna run the instagram and i'm gonna run this and i'm gonna do that there's a reason social yeah. media companies exist yeah absolutely because there's a way of doing it that is outside of your skill set yeah let the, let the people with the appropriate knowledge come in and do it yeah. and you do what and you're gonna, good yeah. at. You're going to pay a premium for it, but in the long run, right, you're going to get three or four X return at, in six to 12 months, you'll see it. Especially if you've with done camp, your validation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. You'll Even, see the return. Yeah, digi- digital, digital, you've got to, you know, that's a dark art, right? You know, you need to have the right people doing the right things. That takes six to nine to 12 months to get some real traction. People just want it in a month mm-hmm. and they just can't seem to grasp that because they're not, you know, raising enough money or doing enough validation of business plans, speaking to the right people to do it. And as soon as they hear like top digital people just saying, oh, it's going to cost you 40 grand. They're like, nah, fuck, you don't know what you're talking about. You're dreaming. Mm. And it's like, well, it's going to cost you 40 grand. You're going to get probably 120 back at some point, but pay it now. It's going to come. So I'm, I'm a big believer um, in, in that. My mom just doesn't get, I'm on the phone to my mom. She's trying to build her, her beautiful um, <laughs> wedding venue at, at her home. Um, and she's just like, oh, why do I have to pay these people this money? I'm like, mom, well, you don't even know how to, you know, even Google my business. You know, you, you need to pay the right people. This is what they do, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I just think that translates out. And the thing is that you built a business, you didn't build a gym. Yeah. And that's yeah. the biggest thing is like people get caught up in that. Like you and Rhett were coming down that mountain and you were building a business idea. You weren't building a gym. Yeah. We so when you got new. the gym, you didn't so easy and so many people do this where they go, no, this is... 
this is the project. It's like, no, this is part of the project. Mm. Yeah, that's just an aspect, yeah. Yeah, it's like, this is just the physical, it's the mm. flagship and it's important, but it's not the business. Mm. But I think all my lessons learnt, took me to there in that moment, right? All of those failures, all of those successes, you know. At such a young age as well, yeah, man. It's crazy. Yeah, like yeah. I, in fairness, you looked like you were about 26 when, <laughs> when I met you and you were like 19. <laughs> Yeah. And I didn't even know that until yeah. much later. And you were like, yeah, yeah. I just turned 23. Yeah, like, correct. I, like, yeah. I, I mean, I'd been broke and made money at 24. Yeah, it's wild. 25 maybe. And I'd left home at 17 though. So it's all relative, right? You might leave home at 24 and then you're 34 and you've made money and you've done really well. I just took it at a different path, right? And um, and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't take it any other way, um, you know, if I had my chance again, I, I I would have went to school. I would have learnt. I don't have any education at all. I left school at fourteen. Really dumb. Hated school. Was just actually and still struggle with a lot of basic stuff. Um, you know, I think you know, staying in school and learning simple arithmetics, you know, uh, English, basic stuff is really really important. Um, I think I, I listened to something the other day. I think Naval. You know, Naval. Uh, if anyone doesn't know, is a, is a really good guy. I don't follow too many people, but on the, in that sort of self help space. But um, Naval, he, he said something like along the lines of, um, you know, the five skills in life are. I think it's like reading, writing, um, speaking, um, arithmetics, and coding, like learning basic technology. So yeah, I got that right actually. Fuck, that's good. Um, so so it's, it's reading. If you can read really well, if you can write really well, if you can speak convincingly in a convincing manner, more like sales, but not as harsh as sales. If you have basic um, uh, technology skills and you are good with basic arithmetics, you will be vastly ahead of anybody else in life and you need to learn those skills. So uh, I don't I don't see, and this is probably going to go around, but I don't know why grown like people like playing games and doing video games all the time. I think, you know, if you should be learning skills and learning different aspects and stuff. I mean, if you've got a really good job and you love, you love getting into games and stuff, that's great. But I just, I just feel like, you know, you should be learning different skill sets in your life, whether you go into business or not. I just think you should be able to write well. You should be able to speak well. You should be able to do basic things really well. And you should kind of hone, you know, yourself into learning those things. I've, I've really spent a lot of time trying to nail like those four or five things because I cannot write and I cannot read too well, um, which people don't really know too well. I get a lot of people help me, um, but I'm an amazing speaker. Right? I could I could sell anything to anybody and that's one of the big things that helped me get to where I need to be was I just loved speaking and like I would sit with you for two 45-minute sessions a week and I would learn all the sort of language from you and then I'd, mm. I'd learn from the VP of BHP and I would learn from the doctor around the corner and it was this, like speaking was, I think that was the biggest one that if you can speak well, you know. It was such a big thing because I could see that you were, I could see you were a sponge like from the from the get go. You know, you were like absorbing everything. Yeah. When when I was training with Luke, we were doing Canvas, Dorsia, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why I could afford to pay fucking seventy dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you were making bank back in those Jesus days. Jesus Christ! You were, and and yeah, basically That's like you- I could see that you were sponging all that stuff and you were you were just like really interested all the time. Mm. And the thing that you've had since I met you which it's so it's it's fucking inspiring to hear you talk about this stuff today because mm. i'm finding this with this podcast i like will speak to friends and friends of friends right you're just like oh that's my mate luke and he's doing this but when you get to sit down and really hear the story you're like jesus fucking christ yeah yeah absolutely but you you had a drive like mm. you, you had you had drive and motivation from the second i met you and you've still got it now mm. and i think that's something that's you don't always know why someone has that and not everyone can pinpoint why that is. But when that, 
when that drive and that determination, because I had a lot of it as well, when that starts to wane, mm. it's really fucking hard to know what to do and where to go. And a lot of the time that starts to wane when you get to around about the hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty thousand dollar a year mark. Yeah. Where you're like, mm. ah, I can yeah. just probably fucking ride this out, yeah. you know? Like and that's where like computer games and like yeah. chilling out and stuff goes. Yeah, true. And 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 you never really know that until you get there. But it seems like with you, as you said, I think it was a really important lesson to go, all I have right now is money. Mm. Oh yeah. And this yeah. is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, to- I totally agree. Uh, the thing is, is like if you've never had that type of salary or any type of income of that nature on a cash flow stage. So I had money in the bank, right? But it wasn't cash flow, which is a different type of mentality because cash flow is, you know, 10 grand a month, every month, forever. Yep. Yeah, sick. I can go buy a nice car. I can have a nice house. But if you've got $100,000 in your bank account sitting there accruing fuck all interest or whatever, like you, you feel almost hopeless because you're kind of like, this is going to become 90 grand pretty quick. It's going to become 80 grand. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like everything I've earned has become nothing, right? So you kind of have to quickly build out systems and strategies. And, that, and that's why moving to Bali was just, you know, uh, the best thing I've ever done in my life. I would I would strongly recommend anyone that is at a point in their, t- their life that is waning or, or, or however you want to put it, that is... Um, I guess really struggling with their next steps, and um, you know everyone's inspired about you know oh, you went to Bali and you built this company right, but um, a lot of people that I say to them yeah go and do it, and they're like oh no nah, no nah, I couldn't I could never do that, um, you know go for two go for two three months like buy you know buy a one way ticket do it, um, you know Bali was cheap that's one of the reasons why I picked it because I had money but I you know I didn't have a lot of money I'm not gonna I'm gonna spend mm. and I, you were I living I spent, in a, you were living in a, just a just a fucking shitty room yeah 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 man um I, I was living I was living my 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 rent was twenty five my my rent was twenty five dollars a fortnight I think it was dude um yeah twenty maybe fifty bucks a fortnight bro so um i lived on I lived on the beach with a beautiful little family Balinese like I moved there I wanted to get full in the trenches right I just said to myself don't you're not gonna go and be some like dude with a sick villa and shit like you know excuse me um you know you I went there with goals yeah I went there I wanted to learn bahasa right so i sp- I speak full bahasa well i I'm probably a little shit now but I went and learned the language. I did lessons like three days a week with a Bahasa teacher, right? Yeah. So I learned, yeah, fluent Bahasa. I went and learned how to cook, you know, Balinese cuisines. I went to learn how to surf, although it was fucking atrocious. I went and tried. Uh, I went and got stuck into um, a, a do- the dojo, uh, do- doge, dojo, yeah, dojo academy, which is a co-working space. So I worked out of there and I built S30 out of there. Spent five, six hours a day right on the beach beautiful around like-minded people smart people we would have talks every night so then there would be guys building email trip feed strategies there'd be sales consultants talking there'd be guys technology um so you would go into these talks and you're around these amazing people and like no shirt on and like a fucking your shorts and bare feet and everyone would be cruising around it was the most inspiring um event of my life it allowed me to be really 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 creative because you know, we wanted to take S30 into a dark place in terms of the, the studio being dark and neon lighting, but that not really been done before. So, you know, it took a lot of balls. And I remember I raised capital. Um, I, my, my, my typical process is to build out the business plan and the model, build out the modeling, um, look at all you know the problems, the validation, the problems, my, my thesis on, you know, why it should be this and why it should be that and why it's going to be different in a saturated market, right? Um, fitness. Um, and I went out to my normal people and built, you know, this case deck and this pitch deck and sent it out. And, um, you know, it, it came back to me and one of the guys says, two, two of the guys are like, two things. Um, you're never going to be able to build a brand 
right? Like you think you are going to build and no one's ever going to train in the dark. You're fucking dreaming. And two of them said that to me. And these are two people that I normally go. So in a normal process, I go to five people and then I go up to the next five. Um, so, excuse me, fucking beers. Um, fucking hell. They get me as well, eh? They fucking get me. You do just like one massive burp. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good now. I'm good now. Um, yeah, cut that out if you don't mind. Um, so, uh, well, so I went out to five people and then normally go out to, to, to another five. So that really resonated with me. I was like, oh, fuck you, man. Like I can build a brand um, and people are probably going to train the diet because I did a little research on the way that the retinas change. In, in, in 10 seconds, you know, your, your, your body, your eyes adapt to the light. Excuse me. Sorry, I'll do it again. Fuck's sake, sorry. Um, you know, um, I did a lot of research on the way that people see, and, and especially in the dark. So, you know, uh, people didn't realize that, the guys didn't realize that, you know, as soon as you go into a dark environment, that's semi-lit, right? It's not pitch black. Your retinas, you know, change and they adapt to the lighting. And, you know, people actually look fucking good down there. Like Scott goes from like a six to an eight pretty quick <laughs> when he was down there, right? So yeah, you can imagine no you, you can imagine like that you multiplied out across like females and males. It starts well, to, yeah, everyone starts to lose eights. Um, Rhett's like a 12 and Rhett's a half. Rhett's like a 12 and a half. Rhett, Rhett's a 12 and a half. And you don't Rhett need just no, levitates Rhett, through the gym. Yeah, Rhett looks good even just in normal lighting. Um, that's, so, that's really interesting that you made that point because it's something that I wanted to ask you. Those dudes that were here sorry irrespective of the dudes and and their commentary how did you deal and did you did you have to deal with detractors and it kind of ties into your barley's piece so you've gone here you've been in with these inspiring people you've come back here and you're about to kick this thing off i just imagine that there would have been a line of people at your door telling you that you couldn't do this and this is a shit idea yeah yeah there was um and the thing about when we first launched S30 in, in Perth and the flagship, Rhett and I, um, we did like zero marketing. Um, a trial of any testament to any brand should be if you can organically grow pretty quickly, you've got a pretty good product. Um, so when we built the place and, you know, you, Scott, you came down and we sunk beers and we had been fitting this thing out for almost an age. And, you know, shout out to my, one of my best mates, Tim, who built our flagship studio and a lot of other studios that we've done. Um, you know, he, uh, sorry, um, you know, uh, fuck. Sorry, what was the question? Sorry. Uh, people lining up outside your door yeah. to tell oh, yeah, you, you organic. Yeah. Sorry. Um, we, we we opened and we we had about twenty two people um, sign up, um, and we had a little test case validation group um, that I learned from, and they had been just just putting it up on their Instagram stories, right? And 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 the thing about the space, it just it's it's so aesthetically pleasing. It's it peaks curiosity, right? And that's when we found out really early on that um, you know the, the way that the way that the, we let people take videos organically, we like people doing their own content, user based content. And as soon as you see the space, people just go, "Fuck, man, that place is really cool." Irrespective of the workout, right? They don't even know at that point in time. And you know, we we had triple. We 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 went from twenty to eighty members in about I reckon four weeks. Um, and there was trials just coming out the door and we had great PR strategy. We had a good marketing strategy, but you know, people were really like, like really liked the space. Um, you know, I, you know, we did a lot of, and this is going back to Bali. I did a lot of research on the sensory system while I had that time, right? Not many people think about the way at which you approach things from the way that, you know, your sensory system works. So in that time being able to be free and creative and around awesome, smart people and loving life and, you know, enjoying my time and spending four hours working a day, being free, putting on a concept, 
I thought to myself, how do people look at fitness, right? How to, in a saturated market, how can you be different? So I looked at the way people look at things from the sensory focus, right? You look at a cafe, you walk into a cafe, you can taste the food and you can see essentially the space, right? Two senses. Um, you go into a gym, you walk in there and you can basically see the space and you can smell it. It smells pretty fucking shit. Um, and so, you know, I came up with the idea of, okay, if we can stimulate more than three senses, we are ahead of the game, right? So if we can build some science around stimulating and making people feel um, like they're being stimulated in these three senses, we're going to probably be ahead of what other people are doing because I need to think about being different. So, you know, automatically we wanted to take things dark. So the neon lighting for us, as soon as your eyes started to focus, you could feel more comfortable under the light. You looked better. Um, you, you essentially, um, you know, you feel more comfortable, especially women, right? Your females into, into gyms, into that space, they really struggle, um, especially in open gyms like, you know, Good Lives and 24 sevens. They don't like to go into the weights area, but they, they're curious about the weights area. They see that, that weights do really good things for them, but they don't want to move into them. And then they don't want to go into the, 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 the machines. They don't know how they work. And then they, so they just go and walk on the treadmill for a couple of hours, right? So, but, but by making females um, feel quite comfortable in the lighting and look really good in the lighting, we were already ahead of, of our competitors. And as soon as you put women anywhere, men are going to probably follow. Um, so, we, you know, we, we, we opened up pretty early on, the, on with, you know, the capacity of females at like 80%, 20% men. Um, but then we, we, we looked at, at music, right? Um, you know, I've loved music since I was a child. I've listened to most tapes. You know, I had a lot of Gangsta Ice Cube when I was growing up. Much to my mum's dismay, I had, you know, I, I would steal cassette tapes to to get that popping. But I loved music. I loved hip-hop and I remember I loved all music, right? And I loved coming to Canvas when I worked there. I still loved the music. And I would feel when I was in Canvas, right, and when Luke was playing and you were playing, Scott, and everyone was playing, the way that that place felt when it was dark and then it was bass and you could feel the bass in your, in your chest and then it was like the poster walls and there was fucking people just condensed. It was just like... There was an energy in there. Mate, it was an energy and it was the most amazing experience. It would be, you know, Canvas was the best nights, hands down, growing up, right? That's because it was an experience that was created, right? So, um, and that, you know, you know Scott and, and Dally didn't put, you know, fucking... They, they thought about that. They put a lot of time, money and effort into that, right? That just doesn't come out of nowhere. Um, so music was huge. Bass had to be loud. Sounds had to be loud. I had to have four Bose speakers. I put a lot of money into the audio. Um, and you had to feel the music in you. But we couldn't have Spotify plan. So, you know, I hit up Luke, you know, Lukey Chan, good friend of all of us. Um, I said, Luke, man, I've got this concept I'm starting and I, you know, I want you to be the forefront about your music. You know, you're a fucking beast, one of the best, um, especially in Perth curating music. And it was originally just going to be like a Spotify player. And he goes, dude, I could curate this for you. Like, and I was like, what? He goes, I could custom make each day to be specifically different. And we, we brainstormed and we were like, dude, Mondays is like back-to-back artists versus another artist, Biggie versus Park. And we were like sitting and we were creating all these fucking ideas because I could mash all that together to one custom curated mix that felt like you were a DJ was playing, right? I was just like, what the fuck? And then I didn't know too much at the time, but Luke was just an absolute beast at drum and bass and EDM and house. He was just a fucking genius. So I was like, dude, we've got cardio days, but you can't have hip hop to cardio, right? You have to have that fucking bass popping. You have to be on. And so he's like, dude, I'll fucking mix together all this EDM house, R&B house, smash it all up. And then we, we custom made the week and he gave me the first mix and he came down to play it in the studio and the lights were turned off. I had it like set like it was the first class and he was just, he put it into his player and it was like, it fucking felt 
just incredible and i was like dude this is vegas this is bloody fucking sick so um you know luke's made over 200 custom-made mixtapes fast 30 it's like and he busts his ass to build all this out he comes up with new creative ideas you know we've got sub focus versus dimension which is a new way you know we used to have back-to-back hip-hop artists he's now doing r&b and edm and, and, and house drama bass artists going against each other so you know we, we really wanted to take the music and what you hear at s30 very nostalgic you know you feel like you're back in canvas but you're training now because you might have kids and you can't fucking go out and party anymore um i think it was really funny my mount lawley studio opened and i think um this, this this girl says i still fuck with nwa you know i still got kids but i fuck with nwa so we have an nwa mix that's out and she was just popping off apparently in her class and she's like 40 and she's got kids and she's just like i want to police yeah i still want to fucking i still want to party but i, I want to train and be be fit and so you know, music was was the huge sense that we wanted to focus on a lot, um, and then I did a lot of research on 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 the way that this uh, you, what you smell um, and how it affects both sales and I guess the experience and and the, and more importantly what what the scent does for people that refer you your product to other people. I think there's a Nike study that was done. I think Nike so they had a shop that was essentially uh, a scented shop and then a shop that was not scented and they basically had the same products and it was up six hundred percent in the scented shop as opposed to the to the to the normal non scented shop. And what that kind of essentially did was it showed that people spent I think it was like two hundred percent longer in the store and they would and it, it had about six hundred percent on revenue. And so I just was like there has to have a correlation with anything to do with the way that you smell so we went and got um um you know a really i won't say the name of the the fragrance but a really nice fragrance patented and not not patented sorry um extracted and um we basically replicated it's the most it's the most sought after unisex fragrance in the world so number one so we um and so we, we grabbed that, we extracted the nodes, we replicated it, we put it into a diffuser and it diffuses um, every minute sort of on the minute. Um, and that basically has this sense of nice, beautiful smell when you walk down there. So you come down, it's dark, it's got some amazing music on and then it smells just inviting and you, you talk about the people want to buy the smell from us. So I had three senses there, you know, already covered really, really well and not just Spotify or radio and not just like, you know, we, we put a lot of time and science behind, you know, you know what S30 has done since its inception has not just been a product of just luck right it's a lot of science and time and effort put into it and then obviously you can't you can sort of taste the workout from time to time but um you know uh yeah you can't taste this 30 but um you know you, you definitely get in there with a with a knuckle and a touch with your, with your fellow trainers and your coaches and your members so you, you touch and, and you know you feel that sense of community so when it comes to s30 it's not just um I guess a bit of a luck sort of system. There's a lot of time. It was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. It, it was the thing that, that struck me about it because I'd never done like a group training thing before. Like I used to just go to the gym, put headphones on, mm. block everything out. But I trained there for the first, first basically up until COVID. Yeah, pretty much the first year and a bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was sick. Like, but the thing was that there was actually a community in that mm. and you can't <laughs> fake that. So like you can hope that people are going to come, but you don't really know how it's going to be and that was yeah there was like a genuine community in there and it's just built and built from that yeah it's actually like an enjoyable place to go which yeah. i never thought that i'd go like i never even when you were doing it i was like yeah eh, i'm probably not going to do the fitness yeah. the group yeah. fitness it's class not really thing. your thing yeah. but it was sick it was absolutely awesome but yeah then, i mean that's the thing is you look at scott like it's not really his thing he prefers to go for a run or he likes his weights in his own time and and whatever but it served a purpose for him in his moment in his time in his life he made friends a lot of people always talk about where he's at and what he's doing but he you know he was there and he loved it and that's what you know i really love about creating something like that is that people can come 
that are not normally like interested in group training but go fuck i like this song this looks cool these chicks are these people are good looking i want to be around this community um and then you you know and then you grow and go on from there but you know building out into a franchise model you need to create that point of difference and you need to look at things like science behind the sensory system to even be somewhat different and being a part of, you know, a length ahead of your, of, of your peers. Um, and you know, that's just what, what, what Bali and that experience did for me. Um, but yeah, so raised a bunch of money over there and had a good, had a good crack. Um, it's a funny story, actually, your friend, Saren, he, um, he, uh, missed out on a, he, 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 um, I gave him a, a 48 hour period. So part of my process, those two guys, they, um, they they declined the investment opportunity in in the founding SDI the brand we call it the SDI mothership so they they um they 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 declined that investment because they thought we couldn't build a brand and couldn't work in the dark so <clears throat> I um I never forget the day like Saren hit me up one day and he's like dude if you ever do anything again just you know no I'd be interested in looking at it and reviewing it and whatever so I sent him my pitch deck and um. I said to him, I was like, you look, man, you got 48 hours to decide whether you'd like to have a look at this investment. Here's the stake. This is what's going to cost and this is what the equity is. Uh, look at the model. But I like putting a bit of time pressure on people because, you know, it just means like if you're genuine, you're not, if you're not just like, it's fine. Um, and, um, and so, uh, I, I sent him the deck and he goes, dude, this looks sick. Um, can you give me, and he was, you know, sounds fucking busy, dude. This was 2017, 18. So this was, um, you know, he was like, give me, give me, give me some time, 24 hours. I need a little bit more time to review it and look at it. And um, I just, you know, I'd been a couple of weeks at, at Bali and um, I remember I, I drove past, I got my scooter and went back to my, my villa and there was this this guy that I just, you know, cause I, cause I'd never been, um, out, out alone like I've always had friends around me I was like I don't know anybody I was like fuck you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna be somebody a little different and, and look at um at trying to find a friend or whatever but I saw this dude blonde guy fucking good looking rooster he's just like standing at the front of this like massage parlor <laughs> sipping on you know <laughs> sipping on one of those like little water bottles little things that you get at the end of your massage and he's just like looks a little like lost and dozed and uh, naturally after a uh, after a massage uh, and I was like, fuck, man, I've seen that guy before, eh? Um, and so I rode my scooter like 100 meters up the road. And then I was like, oh, come on, Luke, go and say hello or be, you know, be somebody different and go put yourself out of, of that comfort zone and say hello. So you got no friends here, you got nobody. And I turned my scooter around, scream around, and I walk up right next to him on the street. And I'm like, hey, man. And he's like, hey, uh, yo, what, what, what? And I'm like, oh, no, nothing, man. Um, I just, you know, I just moved here. I'm, I'm new. Um, and I just, I think I've seen you before. I just thought I'd say hello. And he's like, oh, fuck, sick, man. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I just finished the massage in there. And yeah, I just moved here as well. And I was like, what? Um, I was like, oh, fuck, really? Yeah, sick. Let's, um, you know, uh, he's like, yeah, I've just sort of split up with my missus. And um, I've just kind of ended my company. And I was like, fuck. I've just put on my business in my company. So I was like, fuck, I'm, I'm, I said, I'm here for like six to nine months. And he's like, dude, I just moved here for six to nine months. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, and, he's, and we just kind of headed off. And um, it was just like, one of those, making out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Dude, don't be like that, man. People, people should go out. Don't be like that, man. Because now no one's going to go and no, do no, this. No, no, no. People do it. I mean, I love making out with you. Yeah, yeah. If you want to make out, man. Make out. So, yeah, look. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a moment, but I'm proud of this moment to be yeah. no. So we um you know I'm, proud, just, I'm proud of this moment. <laughs> so we were like, I was like, fuck, man. He's like, all right, well, we exchanged numbers. <laughs> Fuck's sake, this is getting worse. <laughs> we exchanged numbers because um because he had a he had a really bad back 
like and i and i was like fuck man i'm you know i, I got out of partying and shit and i left that you know i came to bali and i want to be healthy and i said man i'm, I'm actually um a trainer and uh, i'm moving here to, to do some cool things in fitness and he's like dude i've, I've got a really bad back so i'm gonna do some rehab i said should we go for a workout tomorrow um and i never been a yoga guy but a part of my goals was to get into yoga um so he he's like I, and he he because he was doing it for his back he was yoga every day pilates yoga and so it was kind of cool to see a dude get into that space a lot and kind of pull me into that space because i loved it and then so i trained him and we would train together and then we would go and do yoga and then we would do and he introduced me to ice baths and 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 hot cold saunas and um you know tanning he loved to tan so anyway he was doing really nothing he was just chilling for six to nine months and just trying to get his head right um and i was you know i was like building the business and so i was i would go off and work at the do at that dojo place and he'd go what, what are you doing all the time um and so i said like man i'm building this company and um uh, you know, this is what I'm doing, and he's just like, oh, yeah, give us a look, send me, send me it. I'm keen to get into business at one stage in my life, so be keen to know how it's all done. I said, sent him the email, and he came around to my villa, like literally, I reckon maybe a day later, cruised over to my villa, and he's like, oh, um, hey, bro, like I saw that thing you sent me. I really, I really like it. I, I want to give you the cash right now. I was like, "What?" And he goes, "I'm I'm keen to invest right now in this. I think this is this is sick. I met this dude two weeks ago." I was like, "And I, and we really, you know, we got along really well." And I was just like, "Wow, this is a bit weird, but like really cool in a way." Um, and so I was like, "Because the way it worked was I had a, a portion of allocation of equity that I'd like to divvy up. I don't like specifically. Sometimes I don't like giving it to just one kind of person unless they're a really good equity partner. But I, I kind of I broke it up a little bit because I needed a little bit. Like it was it was kind of nice to break it up into pieces. So." and so but he's like I'll give you the cash now but I had Saren had the, the hold on it and so I was like to Saren I was like man you got 24 hours and he's like I'll get back to you I'll let you know I'll, you know and so the way it worked was I just needed a deposit to hold the equity in, in the brand in the company so um, you know it, it went 24 hours and so it lapsed and I really sort of was like okay fuck it this was meant to be and so I hit up um, obviously Oscar is his name you all know Oscar Oscar uh, so I hit him up and I was like dude um, the 24 the 48 hour period's lapsed and he's just like sent me the money straight away and then like he's been a, you know basically a silent business partner since day one and just a crazy story like didn't like literally just off field just thought this was really really something special yeah. we talk about sliding door moments a lot on this podcast and yeah. how's that you could have just kept riding your scooter past dude I could have let, I could have kept riding my scooter, and I think about this all the time. And we always we always talk about this all the time. Like we love it, and it's such a great story. But we we you know I, I and then we spent the next six to nine months like training and just frothing his dirty and coming. And he just became a partner and a part of the brand. Um, and it was it was such cool. And then we moved back together. And then you know he worked for the first six months in the business, and you know got his back better and became a trainer. And you know obviously you know did what he needed to do for the brand, and then moved out um, as it started to grow and get so much bigger. And, you know, um, oh, it's such, it's such a cool sort of. Is cool he still part of it now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, Oscar's still very much a very much a partner and of he's, ours. He's from Perth, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, so he's a Perth you, boy. Did you work out whether you actually had known him or you just seen him in party? Dude, I'd or? seen him at a party. Or you know, Oscar's like fucking always in Scarborough, right, man? He's yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Oscar's everywhere. So like, and a throughout, specimen too. Through, throughout my time, <laughs> um, we had probably crossed paths at one party yeah. late and uh, one Sunday. More Monday morning, we should say. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just like, fuck, man, I've seen that guy before. He's a striking dude, right? So I was just like, fuck, I've seen this dude before. And then I was just like, oh, man, I'm just going to, I'm just going to like turn my scooter around and just hit him up. And just, I just genuinely thought, like, you know, I said to myself in my mind, be somebody different. You moved here, you're not going to make friends. And I was already kind of a bit of a loner 
I was already in my normal routine at the dojo. Like people, I think there was a couple of people called me like AirPod Man. Like I would always be my AirPods. I would never kind of socialize a little bit there. People find so, you in, people find you intimidating when you're like that, and that's not yeah. that's not the point. I do yeah. the same. Like I'll be like keeping. I'm like oh go somewhere sit down headphones on or not talk to people and be a little bit introverted in those circumstances and you're always like i wish i was fucking more yeah absolutely like it's it's really good to be out out. now there's guys that can go and just talk to people at parties or talk to you know people at, at events and stuff like it's just never kind of been in my nature and um i'm still i still don't force myself to be anything like that but at that moment in time and in that barley in that environment it was kind of like what have you got to lose? You know, you're going to go home in like nine months. No one's going to care if you like got, if some dude on the street was like, fuck off, bro. I don't mm-hmm. want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing about Bali though, right? Is Bali is this place where everyone opens their arms no matter, if you're there to live and you're there to work and kind of get them part of it and do your thing, you will be invited into so many circles over there. But if you're, obviously you're just there for partying for the week. Um, you know, you won't be open to those those circles, but um, you know, if you go there and you do your thing, you live with a nice family, you're respectful, you try to learn the language, you don't barter, you pay. Dude, the, the guy wants a water for thirty cents, you pay fucking thirty cents. You know, if the guy needs ten bucks to go to to take you to Cuda in there, you know, Bluebird taxi, just pay him. That's the mentality you change over there. Everyone's like, don't pay that. That's not the rates. It's just, mm. dude, hand it over, man. Come on, you learn that pretty quick, um, and you learn to try and do your to do your part over there if you want to, if you want Bali to give you back 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 those things so um yeah and just yeah moved back to perth and then we just started fitting out the studio and oscar moved back and he started building it he's an electrician best mate term Rhett, we're all in there hustling building it and growing it so did you find you picked up support from people quickly or was it was it a gradual thing so the reason i ask is i found that a lot of the times when you start a business even friend groups who you feel are close to you don't like don't support it whereas you know like let's say let's say your friend's a surfer right Mm. john john florence or whatever wins the world title he posts up on his instagram oh john john florence won the world title because it's aligned to his perceived you know sort of character like i identify as a surfer therefore i need to be posting Mm. this and that's what i want to be seen doing Mm. whereas you know you might have a mate who's not in a gym but he's a mate of yours might not be jocking your shit because it doesn't align to his his kind of you know Mm. identity Mm. did you find that you picked up support from your friends quickly did you find that people push back did you find people were detracting away from the fact that you might not be able to do this how did how did that Mm. go yeah, um, I guess, you know, I had experience anyway. Like I knew this thing was kind of like when I felt the music, when I'd seen the experience, I knew it was there. I knew that, you know, once people saw it and that curiosity was there. But I think, you know, to ask your question is yes, you need support from friends, family that are not anything remotely inclined with what you're doing. You know, when we talk to franchise owners about, you know, starting a franchise, the number one thing we ask is how much, you know, you know, do you, do you have value in your area, right? Are you from Joondalup? Well, then why are you looking at Fremantle? Um, because, you know, who do you have in Fremantle? Who's in your circle? Because you need that that connection from mothers, sisters, cousins, you know, surfers or, or whatever is in that area. You, you need those people to help support you. That is so important, man. And I feel... The thing about fitness and exercise, I feel like it's, you know, you've got like little baby and stuff like working out and shit now. You know, rappers weren't training, you know, five years ago. They, they weren't exercising on a routine. What's that, little, little Uzi? That guy's a beast now. You've seen him, you know. So I think fitness and exercise, that's what I love about what's trending and what we're doing is that 
it's morphing the two together. It, it was never cool. Like exercise was not cool. Uh, 10 you know, even five. It was I mean, definitely more in the jock, like it, shredded yeah, for stereo ab- absolutely. sort of identity. And yeah. so bridging the gap between trying, okay, what can I relate to that I could go to? Okay, I like music. I think it's dark. I feel like I feel more comfortable. My friends go, maybe I'll try it. And then the thing is, is those guys, they become hooked and they are like your poster guys. Um, so I think exercise and fitness and starting a fitness brand and anything that you do um, in that field, you know, you need layers of people around you to support you. Absolutely. We would not be nowhere near where we are today without our community or around people that have supported us early on. Um, but yeah, you, you, the thing is, it's not as bad as what it used to be. Like the surfer guy would never have like joined a, or never would have joined an study or done like proper weight training. They would have done their own thing or the running or whatever they did, but they, they'll fuck with it for a couple of sessions a week. Absolutely. And that's starting to change. And then they'll chuck it up on their gram and then they're like, oh my God, you go there. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, yeah, it's, it's that world's changing. It's accepting to exercise. It's okay to exercise now. And I fucking love that, man. Even like people just, I like that people put up on their Instagram. I know it's corny, but I like that they're, they're, at least they're exercising and training. Um, excuse me. Um, you know, I like the fact that, you know, that's why I like people putting up stories. At S30, man, like, you know, you can take your phone around and take work, you know, videos of you working out or your friends working out on your rest periods, right? I, I, I fuck with that. I've always fucked with that because I think it's, it's, I think, you know, you want to show that you're exercising and bettering yourself, man. And publicly doing that is, is in letting more people post about that and think that it's okay to post about it. It could be a couple of shirtless and they could look like dickheads, but at least they're actually training and bettering themselves, man. I think that that's a move in the right direction. Yeah, well, um, it's not pretend, is it? It's like they're actually there doing it. Yeah, like well, I've always yeah. been against the sort of self-promotion. Of, yeah. because, But that's just because of the sort of group that I came from, really, mm. and, and where I grew up and stuff. So I'd always trained... I mean, I trained with you like four times a week mm. as a PT, like yep. years ago. But you never put it but on the ground. But never, ever. Yeah. You know, like I'd, you just do that shit on the low. Yeah. I mean, yeah, even jujitsu and all the boys putting all yeah. that stuff up. It's awesome, man. And it just it just inspires people to go. If, if you know, I think if you look at socials, right, and you just see it's just what we're on. No matter what anyone says, it's just what we're scrolling through. So if we see like 100 people exercising, it's going to stimulate something in us mm. to probably consider something like that um, and it may, i think the new generation of people or maybe it's just like the the catch-up of technology is now that that's it's it's completely reasonable mm. it's just like there is a dark ages sort of throwback to to people who were so i, I think we, we were so like used to this fucking tall poppy syndrome of like mm. perth and australia where it was like shut the fuck up man Mm. anytime you try to go I'm, I'm doing this it's like shut the fuck up mm. and that mentality is like ingrained in a lot of people still mm. so for me like now I'll like post that we're doing shit or we'll have conversations where you speak openly about stuff yep. we've never done that before yeah absolutely because you're too conditioned to not do that mm. yeah and I think I think socials helped with that I think just I think I, I just didn't think people have changed to feeling the thing about exercise is once you do it you feel amazing right it's just that that's science right that's an endorphin rush so the more you you start to feel that if you would be somebody that might be depressed or going through certain things exercise is amazing for you once you start to do it you're going to realize why a lot of people really do it and some of them the thing is they get so they get so you know aesthetically their body changes so much and then they get really into it and that, that's really kind of cool as well um but you know i think the more people that are i guess you know exercising and doing this whether it's group pt um whatever it might be it's just better for for, for everybody i think 
um, in, in general, but, but from mental health to just, you know, obesity and, and just Dude, feeling better. mental health, it fucking absolutely yeah, is. Absolutely. Because, I mean, I would switch to my bit on it. Like, I went, my dad had just died. Mm. I was fucking just wiped out by that. This was around the time that yep. my dad had died about, I think it was about nine days before you came into my came to my apartment with yep. Brett. Yep. Because I, I was in the proper sort of, mm. more, I wasn't really fucking seeing anyone yeah. or anything. And I was like, yeah, come through. I'm not do, like not doing shit. Um, you built the studio and I was like coming through that. And I was the first time I'd ever really realized that I was like dealing with depression and, st- and stuff, you know? Yeah. And I was wiped out. So I had no motivation. I had no, um, I had no fucking, I, I, I was getting no endorphins from fucking anything. Mm. And I was, I was sort of trying, but I was just feeling like shit. And then I, st- I came and started training there and that sort of community and the accountability of like making sure because mm. if I, th- I think I said to you, like I said this on a, the first time I ever spoke about this stuff was on the um, Green Reapers Green podcast. Reapers one, yeah. And I said like, I just reached out to you and was like, I, you, you need to fucking make me come. Like I'll sign up and we'll do this. But if I'm not sure, if I don't show up, just call me because that'll be enough for me to go. And it was like having that little bit of accountability changes. It's not the fucking be all and end all of everything, but having that, that was what I found the benefit of that sort of community-based gym was, was that I could I could go and it, as long as I got myself in the door, I was on the train, you know, like mm. everyone was good. Yeah, that was my biggest thing with you was just getting just getting you there. Yeah. I just had to get you there. That was, that was one of the things. I would just be on the phone to you. I'd be hustling to get you there because I just knew once you came down the, the, those stairs and it became dark again, I just knew that all of your kind of whatever was going on in your life, I just could see you in class just enjoying you around people like, yo, what up, Scott? Everyone's like, yo, what's up, Scott? What's going on, man? You're knuckling everybody. Everyone loved you. It was just you were in an environment that you were really sort of safe and happy in. So I just – and then yeah. times you're just getting you there – was was the hard part so i'd have like a little reminder on my phone you know this is cool scott you know this is my friend i'd, I'd, I'd be like yo um coming to monday tonight coming to tuesday night i'll train with you tonight literally if like, like, i put you in for months i, I was like, i've already put you in um, if i didn't show up you'd find me and shit yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and that's the thing like that's what you do as mates you just get them there and you get them you get them you know i think with the exercise and fitness especially what we're trying to build you know it's more i get people come up to me weekly and they're like mate this place has changed my life all the time it's just so amazing to hear here and you just don't know what kind of goes on in people's lives right and so you kind of and that's me just sort of blinkers on trying to build a brand and company and you get a guy come up to you it's like mate i thought this place was a fucking joke my mate brought me down he literally dragged me um and I, he's been here for you know over nine months and he's like this place changed everything i was in the darkest times of my life you know and it's just you know you don't kind of realize that's just the kind of the byproduct of what you're trying to do and sometimes you need to take a step back and realize that isn't what it funny that's that might actually end up evolving into like the most important part of you having started this in the first yeah. place it's not about money it's not about no. building a brand which is all great but the fact that you're able to help a lot of people potentially not even knowing that you're doing yeah, just it just affect positive change yeah. it was a fucking huge one for me yeah it really, i remember I, I wasn't expecting it to be that yeah well i knew that you were i knew the thing with you was that you you know uh, you got into a rhythm you're a creative you need you need someone to literally grab you and go hey mate I've booked you in come kick it with the guys it's five o'clock you get to work I know you get to work at like eleven and I know you work till like one so I know you and that's the good thing about not only 
um, just a friend, but an operator in the space, right? Knowing your members, knowing mm-hmm. how they, how they, especially close ones, um, and going to them, hey, look, you know, I've booked you in tonight. Come on down. Um, it's a good class. We're doing some chest and we're doing some back. Come kick it. Break up your day. Come hang. And then that, you know, I knew what I was doing for Scott, and I knew that that was that was great for him. He just was like, oh, I knew he'd probably like, oh man, I got a deadline to hit. It's typical fucking Scott bullshit. I got a deadline to hit, and I'd be like, man, fuck the deadline. Hurry up, man! It's got these people are here. Come, they want to talk to you, and he's like, all right, fuck it, I'll take. And then he'd get there, and he'd be like, man, fuck, thanks so much for dragging me down. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I, I remember that time, and I'm, I'm glad that you look you know fucking so good now, bro. It's yeah, good, man. Good things are things are things are fucking much better. But I mean, there's a catalyst for that change. Sometimes, you know, yeah, absolutely, that's what it was. So, what's next, man? Um, yeah, uh, man. So we're you know we're we're growing. Um, we're building. Um, we've you know we've done you know a lot of work in a pretty hard time in a hard climate. Not many people are scaling and growing fitness companies in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> um, and you know, and that's just a, a true to, true testament to you know my business partners and our resilience to what we're trying to create. You know, things were amazing pre-COVID. They were, you know, we, you know that's when we were training, and 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 you know sometimes you know life hits you, and this is the way it is. You got to deal with it. It's just you know, everyone's dealing with this this issue at the moment, this this pandemic or whatever you want to call it. Everyone's dealing with this. It's not like God's come and just slapped you specifically um, to change or you've got to, you know, just ripped everything apart for you. Um, you know, we've, you know, March 2020, uh, I think, you know, the, the pandemic hit. We were at the biggest month of our of our life in terms of revenue for flagship and building our, our, our studio out, our model out. And, oh man, I'll never forget the day I'll never forget the day because my business partner Kevin, he's a, you know he's in the medical services at um, Joondalup, so he's a top doctor up there, and he was just saying to us, you know, be careful, something's coming, this is happening, and we we're just like, yeah, fuck off, Kev, you know, you're you know you're a doctor, you don't know fucking shit about what's going on, and then you know you'd walk down, and you'd oh China's going crazy at the moment, you should see what's going on this time, they're never coming here, um, and then. You know, we were we were top lining really good revenue, great member numbers, um, you know, and then bang, like in, within forty eight hours, you know, you could see things happening a couple of weeks out if you guys remember, right? But um, you know, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, he was otherwise indisposed. I was in jail, bro. Yeah, I remember. I messaged you actually. Do you remember? I messaged you when you were in jail. I was like, where the fuck are you? Oh man, I was actually because I got a message like three months later. <laughs> Sweet, bro. <laughs> it's funny because it's almost a year to the day. So it was twenty first of Feb. Yeah. So three days yeah. ago was two years yeah. anniversary. Yeah. And uh, memories on Facebook come up. Yeah, of course. And looking through, and I saw you in there. Yeah. One of the messages. Yeah, I fucking messaged you, and I was like, dude, like, are you okay? Like, this has happened. Tell me, you're just being a fucking typical dickhead. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that, that happened March. March twenty was when it when it all shut down for the fitness industry, and we were hit pretty hard, man. So you know, I was on the news talking about blah blah blah. You know, we've been hit with whatever. Um, you know, it really hit March twenty when we had to shut completely. I thought everything that I had built, you know, and it was so amazing. I mean, you were there; it was mm. in the prime, and I, I thought that everything I'd built was just. Um, I just thought it was. I thought it was gone. Like I think I put a post. I was like, man. This is the worst I've ever. Like, this is one of the worst days. Like, I've had a couple of bad ones. <laughs> uh, this is pretty bad because, like, I thought I was onto something really great, um, and it was so we didn't know what was going on then at that point. You know, we didn't know. Um, you know, I was training with DG. DG was working with us, and you know, he was a PR. You know, he did a PR, and he was like, twenty twenty three. 
yeah, no one's coming on 2023 or 2022, he said. And I was like, you're fucking, this is 2020. I was like, mate, you're dreaming, you know. And he, he was right, obviously, looking at it now, he was right. Um, and so, you know, I just was like, there's no way I'm going to recover from this financially. And also the brand that I've built, like no one's, I just didn't know. Um, so um, it's, it's a really, another really cool story of adversity here was Rhett and I and Jacob um, Santoro from um, uh, El Toro, uh, he, um, we, it happened and he usually hits us up. He's like, dude, what are you doing? What do you think? And I was like, mate, we're fucked. Like, so we just went and got a box of Corona, ironically, and we just got fucked up in the gym. So we just like, man, we smacked, smacked back a full card and me, Rhett, Jacob, and um, we're sitting at the top um, inside, like literally, because everyone was like police walking up and down the 20th, marching, making sure you weren't working. Um, and so like, we, we got really fucked up and I just waltzed home and I was like, nah, I'm not, not going to just like roll over here with my technology background I went I snuck into the office because you weren't allowed to like you had to work from home but all my stuff's in the office so I just went and kicked it in the office and I was like I'm going to just take our entire S30 concept and I'm going to put it online so I built built a platform basically that had all of our workouts um, all of our music everything that you would sort of have inside a studio built on a platform and because I had that tech background I was able to go and, and, and build out a piece that could at least keep us at least a month in advance from 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 the framework of a, of a workout and then people would log in they'd see the, the the workout that was described they would click on the playlist it was on soundcloud it was you know they couldn't like, take it but they could listen to it and then um you know we went and recorded like in you know a two months worth of workouts put them up online anyway like i didn't think you know too much of it i was like you know fuck it, everyone's sort of doing it um and this is when i thought our brand was really powerful was i um Um, you know, this is when I thought our brand was was really powerful. Was was it took me forty eight hours to build the thing? I built it in, in that in that day. I spent two days literally because you had to be quick in this movement. Otherwise, people were going on to other fucking shit. So I had to build really quick. So I uh, I came home and I I put it up online. I tested it out. I spent you know half the afternoon testing it, whether or not you could sign up, whether it worked, whether the tech worked, whether you could watch the video in a you know timely manner, whether it would load properly, whether or not the music would play at the same time, and how you would get to all that. So I got home and then I just like, I chucked it up on, I chucked it up and I put this post up and I said, you know, you're $19.95 for Isolate with S30, you know, a week subscription for all your S30 workouts up on our S30 page. And I just went down to our local uh, downstairs and just did a, a bit of a run on the, and I, you know, an hour later I came back upstairs and there was like 200 people had subscribed to this thing all from like Canada, America, like people were like, and I was just like, what the fuck? So it was it was it was just like holy shit man like one we've got a brand that has reached to like someone was doing a workout like literally in the snow in canada an s30 workout in the snow i was just like and they're like oh man i've been following you guys for so long and i'm so sad to see you go but i want to support you and i built it all on stripe which is a payment gateway so we were getting payments from just all you know 35 countries um and so you know we had this whole new business model right so it's like fuck i was like Fuck the gym, man! I'm just gonna build this out. This is my this is my technology. Um, so who's finally coming together? Yeah, it's like <laughs> fuck the fourth time, <laughs> the third time. So anyway, um, you know, we built that out, and that got us through the pandemic, man. Like that, that amongst with you know a, a few other things that we did, and we banded together as a company. Um, you know, and th this is kudos to like my my business partners. You know, Kevin, Scott, Oscar, Rhett. You know, we we came together at a time that was difficult, and we said to ourselves, "Do we have a brand? 
Yes. Do we think this is scalable? Yes. How, you know what? You know we were so far from where we thought it would be at the time, um, but we were just like, okay, we need to do what's necessary. But what we did was we we basically hedged ourselves to know that we were going to come out of this pandemic at least twelve to eighteen months from now, because we kind of said like. You know, because if we wanted to franchise, if you franchise, you've got a you know a lot of money, a lot of processes, a lot of manuals. Franchising is a year, a year and a half process. It's a lot of money. Yeah, before um, you even go to market. Before you even go to market, right? So we said to ourselves, okay, cool. What's the market doing for the next 12, 18 months? Nothing. They're gonna some are going to probably die. So all right, let's just scrape off the ones that are probably going to struggle. Some of the boutiques that just can't can't pay rent, can't get deals done, don't have the bankroll. Um, what do we need to do to get ready? And and do we do we feel we are going to be in a position to, to, to go? And is it even going to be two years? Is it going to be 18 months? So it was about, um, you know, we said to ourselves at the beginning, uh, sort of in about December, January this year, last year, 2021, um, we'd got through that first wave of COVID and, you know, WA was a bit of a shell, but we, we were kind of going, okay, you know, we need to knuckle down here. We need to double down and we need to go, all right, let's, if we're going to do it, we're going to build quietly and then go bang. And then, because when you franchise, you can't just do things ad hoc. You can't just have a half a manual built. You can't have like half a product built. You have to kind of, you have to, you have to build that out, um, and you you know you need to be able to sign up. They need to follow every simple instruction, and that's that's a big, big, big task. So um, we, we we basically said to ourselves, we're going to do it. And so we just put again similar to some of my last sort of scenarios. We just sort of like scroll in, just put it all on the line, um, and uh, you know let's let's um, let's basically build this out quietly. And then when the market turns, and and you know COVID is not going to be around forever. It just you've got to have that mentality to go. Okay, you just get through eighteen months. It's going to be fucked. Some people are going to fall off. It's really shit. But if we can get through it, um, you know, we've spent eighteen months doing everything what everything quietly, while others are just trying to figure out just to get by. We've gone and we've gone and developed everything that we need to for twelve to eighteen months and spent all the money. Hopefully that it's going to turn. And we predicted around April. WA would be a bit better um, and, and the East Coast would be probably around January. So we're a little bit off the mark, but it's, um, you know, obviously I've just come back from traveling all of the East Coast and it's we're probably two or three months off our marker from 18 months ago with regards to where we wanted to be if we were going to mm. sort of hedge ourselves. So huge moment for us to be at a position where we're ready to nationally scale um, with everything that we needed to at the time at which the market is kind of coming out of you know the doldrums the doldrums so it it was huge for us and you know clutch to all of us for for putting that in right so if if it was another year we'd be we'd be done if 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 covid was if if we were like we were you know um a year ago and just you know the city's down 30 percent people aren't coming out people are a little bit nervous but more our market's the east coast as well so if that's just going to be ravaged like melbourne and sydney for six months like we we don't have a we don't have a company um so yeah, I mean, we've you know we've managed to you know get get things going um, in the East Coast, and we're ready to rock and roll basically. So start rolling out franchises. Yeah, basically. So we got studios um, opening in the East Coast. We got a, a franchise, a flagship opening up in Darlinghurst, um, Browns Plains, which is a Brisbane studio, um, and, and through Newstead and all out through Brisbane. We have got some great guys on board there. Gold Coast um, is opening up Mermaid Beach. 
Uh, one of my you know childhood friends, uh, Rhett and I, Jordan Kahu, ex-NRL player, jumping on board there. Um, and, you know, two or three more studios opening up here in Perth. So, you know, it's it's going to probably turn at some point. And, um, yeah, just closed a pretty big capital raise. So we're just on the, on the, on the point of closing that out. So it's been a, a massive, massive six, 12 months for us. So That's fucking sick, dude. Yeah. All praise to what you're doing, man. It's <laughs> fucking fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for people that want to find info on what's going on, it's S30 on socials. Yeah, S30 Studio, yeah. We'll probably end up doing a part two because there's probably more and more to come. Yeah, fuck, man. I'm always down. I want to hear about <laughs> the next one. Yeah, well, maybe in a year's time, we'll see where we're at and if we've... Um, yeah, I mean, we, we project to sort of hopefully be 2030 studios by end of next year. So if I'm there, I will guarantee you I'll be back to talk about what that has happened. And we get Oscar on to tell a real story about the <laughs> Bali romance. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what happens brother. in Bali, mate, on that villa stays there, brother. Had a boy. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for coming boys. in, bro. Thanks, Thanks boys. Man. Cheers. Club good. 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 Club good.